This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is worried that its team is making it bipolar. Uh, as expected, kind of, uh, Chelsea dispatched championship-bound Huddersfield with relative ease. Uh, it's easy to say that this proves nothing. After all, you can only beat what's in front of you. But it was pleasing to see Hazard and Higuain combining so well with both scoring two goals. Maybe Higuain can be the player to free up Hazard, score goals and make Sarri Ball work. Uh, let's face it, after the 4-0 horror show against Bournemouth, Chelsea's worst performance since 1996, Sarri needs all the help he can get. I suppose if we look at the week as a whole, at least we can say we won 5-4 on aggregate. Anyway, the Chelsea fancast number 449, Tonic for the Troops, with apologies to the wonderful Mark Worrell, from whom I have nicked that wonderful expression. And for those of a certain age, they will also remember it was a title, I think, of a Boomtown Rats album uh, before Bob Geldof went mad. Anyway, talking of people who've gone mad, uh, we've got some very sane people in with us tonight. We have, of course, Lovely Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to be on with Tony. Lovely to be on with you. I'm a bit under the weather, though, Chidge. I've got a cold. So, so uh, mm. forgive me if I'm not my usual energetic you... ranty self after last week mind you i think it was difficult to to go uh, higher than last week's rant at the very beginning of the show so uh, pleased that i'm slightly under energized this week so <laughs> you did you did set the bar very high last week it has to be said mate but i'm sorry i'm sorry you're not feeling too well and i, I think we can pin we, the blame on aaron can, can't we, we for can. that one he was a very coldy boy on friday but it was a good show on friday so that's not uh, he was great fun as always. Now uh, we are also joined, of course, by uh, Mr. Tony Glover. We haven't had you on the show for ages, Tony, because you've had all oh, sorts of ailments weeks and ago, stuff. I think, but, are you are you um, fighting fit, mate? I'm, I'm almost the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you about three weeks ago? Time and, flies. Uh, um, said my piece. I think it's where I, I first mentioned football dressage. Um, 
and uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 much much better now. There's a little bit of yeah, you know, this thing called post hepatic neuralgia or something is hanging around, but nothing too serious. And the, de- the dentist today looked yeah. at my teeth and said, "My my my, what a fine what a fine upstanding gob you've got." In in you know, not as many words as that, obviously. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so yes, it's good to be back. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, frequent listeners, yeah. It's good to have you back, mate. Frequent listeners to the Chelsea Fancast will, of course, already know that you have a fine, upstanding gob, uh, which is why, precisely, we have got you on the Chelsea Fancast. Right, uh, without further ado, uh, on the show tonight, we're going to discuss uh, the seeds of another potentially great Chelsea partnership up front with Hazard and Higuain scoring two goals each in the 5-0 defeat of Huddersfield. Uh, in part two, we discuss Kante and Barclay uh, catching the eye as well as Hazard and Higuain but of course with Chelsea so inconsistent at the moment are we just becoming flat track bullies uh, and will a very testing February be too much for Sarri in part three uh, we look back at the 4-0 defeat to Bournemouth I'm sorry but I'm afraid we must uh, and have Sarri's criticisms of the players mentality and motivation been misconstrued uh, in spite of bouncing back against Huddersfield, uh, do many of the current issues with Sarri, the players and the board remain? And will it ultimately boil down to whether or not Sarri can get Chelsea into the top four? Plus, a quick plug, of course, for the Hyundai Extra Mile competition, which gives UK supporters a chance to win matches. UK supporters, sorry sorry, our foreign chums, but that's the way it is. Anyway, they get a chance to win match tickets and other kind of Chelsea merchandise. And, of course, to enter... All you have to do is share how you have gone the extra mile following Chelsea and you do it on their blog page, the link of which can be found uh, on our Twitter and Facebook pages pinned right at the top. Just click the link, go through, and it's easy to do. Uh, of course, after all of that, uh, Jonathan's got some great emails to read out this week and I'll wrap up the usual par- with the usual parish notices. Uh, of course, that is, I mean, they're quite a long email this week. If you're not up for it, Jonathan, you just holler and I'll, I'll stand in and, and sub for you. Thanks, it's entirely up to you. Come on for me after about um, 40 minutes. <laughs> no, no, mate, come on, be fair, it's oh, usually 65. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 70. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hesitate to say that it would be a like-for-like substitution because I, I don't think you are, you are not replaceable in any way, shape, or form. Anyway, uh, of course, uh, it's this time of the night that we always uh, give a quick shout-out to Mixler and the peeps that are in there. And, of course, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat with all the people there already and post on the live chat page. Uh, you can also tweet us, of course, anytime you like at Chelsea Fancast. Uh, talk about the games, the show, anything else about Chelsea. Um, so there you go. Um, what was I going to say? I know. Yeah, who's in there? There's loads of people in there. I, oh, I'm glad to see that Andy Silverman is in there. Um, Andy, uh, I, I know you're off for an operation very soon, so uh, I'm sure everybody in here... We'd like to wish you all the best with that, sending very positive vibes your way. Uh, Steve Mower, uh, Jean Paul Guevara, Paul Burgess, uh, Jacaranda Chick to Chick. Goodness me, I got my teeth in tonight. Bob Ray, Andrew Self. There's a very clever name in here. I'm liking this name. Nobby Steelers, of course, which those of a certain age will remember was a great joke that wherever you went in the world, particularly South America, they would know Nobby Styles. Steelers. They would pronounce it ah. Nobby Steelers. Very clever, I like that. John, yeah, yeah. John Chips Chiverton, Donal F. Donal's in the Aye? house, mate. He's coming to is check he? on you. There you go. Good, good uh, yeah, good Donal F is in the house. 
Bonnie Rig Blues, Dean Mears, Dean. I think it's about this time I should say, Dean, we still love you. I know you put a great blog up today and that Sid Celery has completely eviscerated it. Don't worry, he does it to everybody. Yeah. We still love you. Uh, Bashursk, uh, yeah, Rob Coombe, loads more. I mean, too many to name you all, but it's lovely to see you all in there, of course. All right, in a minute, we're going to be talking about football. Righty-ho. Um, I think football. Yeah, football, Jonathan. Righty-ho. I think this is the bit where, really, I just want to talk about Azard and Iggy. Higgy, I think we're calling <laughs> well, him, aren't we, Jonathan? I, I it was your, your terminology for him, wasn't it? On a male, and somebody really liked it. I thought that was quite good. He's like a particle reactor. Oh, yes. It's, that's yeah. very, yeah. Uh, very Brian Cox of you. Thank you very much. But I, as I said at the time, I think some of the fans aren't um, particle-licular to it. Um Oh, um, and uh, and I wanted to call him Wayne. That's my favourite name for him, as I've said, because he's Hig Wayne. But uh, I don't think that's going to catch on either. So uh, Higgy, I think we might end up. I was going to call the show tonight. I was going to call the show tonight. Um, Chelsea go full <laughs> Gonzo. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I quite like Mark's uh, tonic for the troops, and I thought maybe the other one had kind of yeah, odd connotations. But there you go. Really, but clever. Um, I'm going to reel some facts and stats out. I'm going to reel some. I'm going to reel some facts and. I'm going to reel. I'll try that again. I'm going to reel some facts and stats out for you boys, and the listeners because they these caught my eye earlier earlier on today. Higuain has now scored 38 goals in 37 league appearances under Sarri. He's the first uh, Chelsea player to score twice on his home debut since, of course, uh, Stanich in 2000, which was against West Ham. Was that wonderful uh, volleyed goal? Uh, Higuain, this is a really weird stat. I'm loving this, and a kind of it's a kind of a very misleading one, but I'm going to do it anyway. Higuain's goal is only the 47th Premier League goal from Chelsea's various number nines in 15 seasons since Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank left. And the number nines are, and this is why it's hugely <laughs> misleading, apart from the obvious thing that Drogba wore number 11. But um, Kesman, Crespo. Boularoos, well-known striker Boularoos, and equally well-known striker Sidwell, uh, DeSanto, Torres, Falcao, and Morata, but an interesting stat nevertheless. And uh, Hazard has now been directly involved in 200 goals in his top-flight career. That's 116 goals and 84 assists, 129 of those for Chelsea. But the thing that struck me, chaps, uh, immediately really, was um, they did pair up really well. I mean, Hazard, you know... He's got somebody to play little one-twos with, which he likes to do, which I saw Stuart Pearce talking about, actually, uh, on Sky uh, this morning. And he said, uh, he explained it really, really well. He said that when Hazard runs towards defenders, the reason he likes to play these one-twos is because it distracts the eyeline of the defender so the defender won't know where he's going to run to. And I'd never really heard it put like that, which I thought was good. And, of course, Higuain's movement inside and outside the box, you know, allowing others to get beyond him, he clearly knows how to score, cracking two cracking goals, and he links up the play outside too. So, uh, Jonathan, all in all, um, 
I, you know, as I said, I know that it was only Huddersfield, but I thought that that was the one thing to take out of it. Really, was the, the a blossoming partnership already well, for those two. Minis around me kept saying, "Hang on, hang on, they're a championship team. Hang on, they're terrible. Hang on." I just felt there was a terrible um, humour in the ground from the very beginning of. Uh, you know, show us what you're going to do. It was a very, very strange atmosphere when the game started. And um, and they uh, they succeeded, and slowly and surely it got louder and louder. Um, but uh, uh, I'm afraid I I, um, I slightly prophesied this. And once again, it is only Huddersfield. But uh, as I've said, if you've got a focus for the way that they're trying to play, it makes the whole thing so much more encouraging. And I know we're coming into an unbelievably difficult period and we're playing all these top teams. But I, I don't know about anybody else. I just thought it looked fantastic. I thought the pairing up was, was completely brilliant. And you suddenly think, yeah, all right, they're going on about he's 31 and it didn't work at Milan for him. But he's clearly a world-class player, Egwene. And, <clears throat> and if he's playing with Hazard, Hazard's going to get uh, going to be pleased because he's thinking, oh, God, I've got somebody who can score with me. He's going to set me up here. And I thought I thought the whole team was inspired by it. So obviously they've been training together well. And of course, the first twenty-five minutes they played so much further up the pitch. We're going to get onto this, and it really works then. And it just looked good. I don't think Tony's going to agree with me, but um, uh, I was really inspired by the first twenty-five minutes, and I'm inspired by Higuain and Hazard playing. I'm inspired by Higuain playing for Chelsea because he he's a proper forward. He's a proper centre forward. He moves. He looks great. He thumps the ball like a rocket. He is a really, you know, it's 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 Jimmy Floyd all over again. The ball stays hit. You know, you go, bloody hell. The opening goal, I went, wow, God, that wonderful moment where, you, you know, he makes a lovely run and he lifts it up over, you know, so um, over the goal kick. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very pleased. However, we will find at the weekend uh, um, whether we're talking bollocks and it all falls apart again. But it was interesting to see after 25 minutes, they all started nipping back again and not really quite concentrating. But it's that push. It's the push forward, which Liverpool and Man City do all the time. And the team just has to get used to doing it. And I, if, the, if in actual fact he can't get them to do it, he will be sacked. It's as simple as that. And it's a very, very telling coming up now. All right. Let, I've got some breaking news. Got some breaking news. Um, Jean-Paul Guevara is laughing at Tony's deep breaths. And uh, Steve wants to know who's eating an apple. Uh, I'm not chewing on a carrot, uh, Bonnie Rig Blues. I'm not chewing on anything. So, Tony, what are you eating? A wine gum. A wine gum. They all want to know. It's a very a wine, wine gum. gum. It's a a wine gum. Loud wine gum. Yes. Good lord. Jean Paul Guevara suggested no, no, tobacco. Might, yeah, in, in a is. previous life. <laughs> Tony, I, I, much as I'm also interested in what you were chewing on, and we now know it was a, wi a wine gum, I'm, I'm like Jonathan, I'm equally eager to know whether you agree uh, with him or not. To some degree, I do. Um, you know, I mean, the last 10 minutes of the game, I think there was a, there was a question mark over. He's, you know, he's, he's only just come over, and I think it shows the gulf between the pace of the Italian league in comparison to ours, that he was, you know, Higuain was absolutely blowing out of his ass for the last 10 minutes. Um, uh, I could have run faster than him for, for those. However, however, I'm, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this to you before. 
Um, I'm fed up with this idea that strikers have got to have pace and everything's about speed. And it's to the detriment of something called footballing intelligence, which is being in the right place, creating the spaces and being able to finish when I you get the chance. About speed. We haven't mentioned speed. No, no, not you, but other people. Oh, okay. All the time, relentlessly, wherever you go, we need more pace, we need more of this, we need more of that. And, you know, Giroud isn't any good because he's fast enough. Look, you know, I, I don't buy that. Good strikers. You do, you do need, you do yeah. need, Tony, Tony. You do need pace if yes. you're a counter-attacking that's side, but that's the point. No. He doesn't, he doesn't no, want us to I mean, be a counter-attacking side. Massively, you know, a long way from being convinced. You know, we've, we have blown hot and cold to more extremes this season than I can ever remember. And Bournemouth last week is it's just, just, you know, that's just a shocking indictment. I know we're going to get onto the, the whole psychology stuff later on, you know, around um, public statements, etc. But... Uh, you know, Higuain, there's no question. He's too, I mean, he should have had two more goals, in my view. Um, I think, one, he took a touch too many when he had a, a real chance to rifle it in. Um, but, you know, similarly, Hazard had a chance to, to bury a, uh, another goal and he, he decided to look up and see if he could get, get someone else in. Um, but it was very, very promising. And on a day when I think um, my first observation coming out of the, the game was that was the game we needed. We didn't need to be up against an, you know, an Arsenal or someone like that. We needed a team where we could dominate, where we could impose ourselves. Um, and that, that really did help, I think, the fact that, it, yes, it was only Huddersfield, but they, they, they weren't coming to be rolled over. Um, uh, there's no way they intended to do that. So I think, um, you know, from our point of view, I'm... You know, I'm pleased. You know, it's good to see a striker. You know, it's a long time since I've been to Stamford Bridge and sort of kind of enjoyed myself, to be honest. <laughs> it's a terrible thing to admit, isn't it? But um... Well, I'm glad to hear it, mate. I know. Well, no, but it's a valid point, considering, you know, what a lot of the moans have, have, have been about. Um, I think what, I, what I'm also curious about, Jonathan... Enjoyable, surely. I, what I am curious about... Well, yeah, I know. Of course, it was, and I, I look. I mean, we, I can't speak for Tony, but I, I do know that you know some of the matches have been a bit turgid because they just haven't been able to, you know, apply what Sarri wants. Jonathan, what, what I'm, I mean, you know, I think the other thing that needs to be mentioned about Higuain, uh, and actually, quite a few people in Mixler have said that, and, and I would agree with them, is that you know he's not yet match fit, match sharp. So, you know, I would expect him to, to you know, not reach balls, not to bury them. You know, not quite have his first touch right yet because that will come the more games he plays. Um, but I, I do wonder whether you know. I think two things really, Jonathan, because they are they are two separate things. There's a lot of you know worry about the fact that uh, I mean Hazard may or may not go in the summer. I mean, you know, wh- wh- how how realistic you think that is 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 kind of up to the individual in a sense. But there was also a feeling recently that by playing him as a false number nine was going to do nothing but A, piss him off and B, hurry him up out the door, which did worry a few people. But to see him play where he, he likes to play and actually have somebody up front who can, who can benefit from his, his play, and they can, there's a kind of a mutuality there, and I think that's the point. And seeing, seeing a potential partnership blossom is very encouraging. But I'm just kind of wondering as well, given that our biggest problem since Sarri arrived is that we've not had a good striker and you know while we've been creating hatfuls and hatfuls of chances we've not had anybody to put them in the back of the net given that we might now have a striker who can put them in the net can finish off these chances we create do you think 
that that will go a long way to making what Sarri wants work. Well, I think I've, I've said this earlier. I probably shot my bolt earlier by saying this, but um, completely, yeah. But I've said this on previous shows. <laughs> if they had a striker um, who could actually score, uh, I think we'd we'd have won more games because we certainly haven't got any midfielders who can score. Except he did play Barkley further up, um, uh, and consequently, Barkley actually uh, um, had some more shots. Um, it just looked a much the whole team looked to be so much more together as a consequence whether it's a consequence of him you know of him discussing with them their roles or whether it's the a consequence of uh, of Higuain coming in I mean I personally think it's because Higuain's given them a, a focus and uh, you know if somebody looks as if he's going to score and he's he's I'm, I'm sorry to be so rude about Giroud here who I'm, I'm fond of but he doesn't have the same instinct weirdly there's a there's there's a um, he's got the same muscularity, but somehow the ball seems he, he bounces off him and he controls it. You know, he, he there's a touch of Mark Hughes about that. He he he, he gets his frame very much firmly into the into the back of the centre <coughs> half and spins off with it. I, I I think he's a class act, Chidge. I really do. And I I think that Hazard Hazard came off the pitch when he was substituted and applauded to all, all corners of the ground. First time we've seen him do that for ages because um because he. He looked so much happier. I mean, Hazard was was brilliant on the, uh, the weekend. So I mean, uh, and I, I I think as a as a combination, it's um it, it's going to be scary for some teams. But yeah, it, as as Tony was saying, I think he just needs to get a bit fitter. But he's uh, he, I'm doing that. As I'll say, we've now got we've now got how many world class players? Canty's a world class player. Kepa's a world class goalkeeper. Uh, Hazard's a world class player. And I think um, Higuain is a world-class player, despite everybody saying, oh, well, he's 31. And I just think he's still got it, personally. And I just think, well, you know, who else is going to come come forward? And I mean, William should be, but he's hot and cold. Um, and you think, well, if they purchase another couple of players, that have six world-class players, if, they, if the board back them, and you think, well, then they're competitive. That's a very competitive side. I mean, I'm, I, as, I, as I said to you earlier, uh, we could lose all these next games, and it all falls apart, and he speaks to the, you know, he's derogatory about the players again, and he gets sacked. So this is a very, very specific period <coughs> coming up now that has to, in some areas, has to work, as is always in these instances. It'll, I think, it'll be a bit of that and a bit of this. You know, it'll be half and half. We'll win a couple, and we'll, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we lost to City at the weekend and beat them in the, uh, um, in, in the League Cup final. Um, but uh, it's, it's, I, I am. I, I just so hope that um, he can show what he wants and the board ultimately get behind him. But being Chelsea, it, it's likely that it might all fall apart and we see the back of him, you know, come come February, come March. We're in February now. So, <laughs> so you know, let's let's see. Yeah. Let's see. When did yeah. um, when was the last March? Was it was it uh, Di Matteo that we got yeah, yeah. sacked in March? But I can't remember who was it. Uh, done in Scolari March. went in March, didn't Scolari. he? No, he was fa- he was sacked yeah, in in November, right. mate. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Tony, Steve, Steve Moa makes a, Steve Moa makes a really good point, uh, Tony, uh, that uh, Higuain's arrival will also give the whole squad a lift because they know he's good, so it will make them think he, you know, think he's right. So let's yes. kick on. Yeah, yeah, of course right? it does. I does mean, that make sense? You know, the guy's got a record, okay, um, and irrespective of whether it worked out at Milan or not, it doesn't really matter. I think in in the sense that. Um, you know, for, for some people, a change is as good as a rest, isn't it? Maybe he just needed that, um, you know, to get away from from, from, from whatever was pulling 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 him back. Back at to Milan. 
Is he back at Yokozuna having an absolute stormer out there, isn't yeah, he? Apparently, yeah, and he wants yeah. to stay there, doesn't he? Like, yeah, um, but I, I don't. I think that you know, Bakayoko is a completely different subject. But I, I do think that in Higuain's case, you come in, and it, it does spark everybody up. I mean, we didn't do any business. I didn't expect it. I thought there was a load of cobblers being spoken about, Paredes and all sorts of other players coming in, or Paredes. I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, and I never thought for a minute. I think the days when we when we go big in the market in January are gone. Um, uh, and I think that ultimately, you know, Sarri needs something. He, he desperately needs something because he's, um, like the first comment I got at the stall um, uh, on, on Saturday was he's lost the away fans. That was the first thing that was said to me by, by Tim, Tim Rolls. Um, and I think, we just said that. Really? What did he say? I mean, what did was, he say? There was a couple of more controversial things said there as well. But Tim just said, you know, um, he's lost the away fans. And I think the problem is, is that the football... Uh, do you know what? If you're losing to Bournemouth 3-2 in an end-to-end thrilling game of football, I think even some of the most dark and cynical football fans will go, well, you know, fair play. We, we, we battled it out, but we didn't. We absolutely didn't. We ran a white flag up the pole. Um in a, in a fashion not dissimilar to the alleged disgrace against Manchester City last year from Conte. Now, whether it's the players or Sarri or not, I, you know, at the end of the day, I'll go back to this thing. It's not down to me. I, I, I didn't want him in the first place. I'm still not convinced by him. But Roman Abramovich, there is no, there is zero, absolutely zero evidence to suggest that his policy of firing managers, the minute he thinks they're not going to fight, they're not going to work out, has changed. None at all. Um, and I just think... That you know, when you get that lift, you get that. Go back to your thing. Higuain comes in, and it will have raised a few elbows. And I hope, I hope it does something for Hazard. You touched on a very good point, Chidge, right? That prior to to the Higuain, uh, hopefully this Lazarus-like moment or whatever from from Saturday, um, it, I think we were driving him out the door. We were basically give, putting the pen in his hand and say, "You're getting ready for Madrid." Um, there is no player, and I say this now, Chidge. There is no player in the Premiership. Okay, let alone in our club, coming through, even through the academy, that can excite and thrill the crowd like Hazard on his day. He is phenomenal. On Saturday, yes, don't give me the bollocks about um, it being Huddersfield. He was fabulous. Absolutely fantastic. That goal he scored with that angle was magnificent. That part way to repaying my season ticket again. Um, and I think if we lose him... We'll be looking back in years to come and say, Christ, wouldn't it be great to have a player as iconic and as fantastic and as thrilling and exciting as Eden Hazard? And I think Higuain, I'm hoping, is the key, the key yeah, I... to getting his mojo back fully. Cost, I sounded like a bloody politician then, didn't I? Well, let's hope so. I mean, that, well, I know, but there, there's also, um, sadly, there's an argument to say that, you know, a lot of people think he's already gone and it doesn't matter who... We bring in that that that's kind of a fait accompli. But I I think if you know if we if we keep if we keep Hazard happy, I don't think it can be a bad thing because we know that yeah. a lot of his motivation for playing football is he likes to be happy playing football. He's not like your other big big kind of a lister stars who are doing it mm. for fame and you know money and and all the rest and even even yeah. trophies to a certain degree. Uh, he's not. He's driven by other motivations. So that I always kind. I mean, maybe I'm just wishful thinking, but I do cling to a, a kind of a weird hope that slightly because he's a bit different yeah. like that. There's always a chance that he might stay. And this, I don't think, can do an, 
Yeah, this doesn't do it any harm. Right, we're going to move on. Um, in part two, we're going to discuss Kante and uh, Barkley catching the eye as well as Hazard and Higuain. Um, but as we've kind of been alluding to, with Chelsea so inconsistent at the moment, are we just becoming flat-track bullies? And will a very testing February be too much for Sarri? The only place for Chelsea fans... FootballFancast.com Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast, of course. Quick uh, reminder, uh, particularly if you're Sid Celery. Hello, Sid. I know you listen, and uh, I hope you're well, of course. Uh, we, have a, we have a website uh, called ChelseaFanCast.com, uh, where you can find lots of very informative and spot-on and excellent writing from the likes of Dean Mears. Uh, we do have other writers, but uh, they've not been very prolific recently. So if you're listening and you're one of the people that does write for us occasionally, we need to hear from you because it's a, it's a bit lapsed. Well, of course, having said that, Alex, of course, uh, the girl who likes balls, she writes regularly for us, as does the wonderful Jonathan Ellis, who writes previews uh, and reviews. So check it out, ChelseaFanCast.com. Plus the fact, of course, you know, I've always put the, uh, the, the blog, which contains the uh, link and also... I mean, you can actually play the podcast from the blog that I put up there, so it's well worth checking it out for that. And, you know, any news that's going on, we try and let you know through the website. So there we go. Well, I know we keep moaning about uh, being a bit... I think I just really... I don't think we're moaning about it. I just think it's... We just... You do need to have a bit of context, I think, sometimes. And, you know, the the, the context is that we played Huddersfield, who are who are pretty poor and are pretty much down already and can't score for Toffee. But that said... You know, like I said in the introduction, you, you can only beat what's in front of you, and we we hammered them five nil. And I have, to, I think the more the more important point was that after what happened against Bournemouth, we really did need that. Uh, and as we were saying earlier on, I, I think the way that they played was very encouraging. Early ball on the front foot, forward passing at speed, play players driving forward with the ball. That's what we need to see. And actually, wingers playing on the wing and and putting an early ball into the box. So. Um, you know, I thought that that was really encouraging, but I have to, I have to say, Jonathan, and I, I will try and be as even-handed as I can. You know, we could have gone behind quite early, uh, and I think we could well have, you know, conceded a penalty when uh, Christensen trod on whoever it was he trod on, and and I and I do wonder whether that penalty for Aspie was in fact a penalty, considering he was fouled outside the box. So you know, one nil going into half time, it could have all been so different. Uh, was was there a vibe going around? Was it was there a nervous vibe before that penalty no, was awarded? Not the slightest. Everybody thought we'd win easily. Um, uh, there was an immediate penalty after the penalty yeah. that the referee clearly didn't give because he'd just given a penalty. Correct. Which once, once again, I despair of referees and their weird um, values in this kind of situation. If it's a penalty, give it. Don't think. Oh, perhaps I got the first one wrong. You just see it happening all the time. It happened last night in the Super Bowl a couple of times. Um, it's you know, the world over. There's a kind of, oh, I better even this out. No, don't even it out. Oh. Just the penalty. It was a penalty. He got knocked over in the penalty area. All right, he got the first one wrong. Well, tough. You know, don't say, well, the second one wasn't. It was. Um, and also, they only had a header. He had Moy had a header, and that was it. That was the only attack they had. I didn't think that was uh, a big deal. 
it wasn't on target. And I think um, um, Kepa would have saved it easily. I, I, I thought we were really in control of the whole game. Um, I, I was, I was, I was impressed in the. Uh, um, I mean, I, I have the the problem I've got in this is that I see what he's trying to do all the time, and I love it. And and I, I, I if he can't get them to do it, then he needs to to leave. But he really is trying to get them to play this disciplined, pushing up stuff in the same way that Liverpool and City play. And it's about it's about being on the turn, the quarter turn all the time, not having your, your, your face to the ball. And it's about getting in the right position to actually then, then push on. And so because, because I'm looking at the game thinking, well, yeah, I see exactly what is supposed to be happening. I find us, you know, we're, we're, we do it in surges and then we don't do it. And it's then that it all seems to fall apart because people lose um, concentration. And, and that's what he's what this this whole motivation thing is about with him. I don't think it's the word is motivation. He's got it wrong in the translation. It's about sort of understanding and kind of of, of trying to do it properly. And it may be beyond them because they're so used to playing um, the kind of football that people want Chelsea to have again, which is breaking out and being physical, getting up the other end, smashing the ball into the net. This has been the call on Twitter all the time. They want to see Chelsea of 2008. They want to see physical. They want to see leaders. They want to see pushing up. This is entirely not what he's trying to do. And it's, it's, I thought I'd take my hat off to him having a go doing this. But unfortunately, he may have the wrong group of players to do it. Um, But they seem to be getting better at it. And I actually felt, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, that um, Christensen looks a better fit to do it next to Louise than Rudiger does, which is, an awful thing to say because we're all big fans of Rudiger. But it is so much about the way that he wants to play the game. And I, and I, if you can, if he can make it work, we are in for a completely fantastic period of Chelsea football. I really do feel that strongly about it because he he's a it it really is a different way of playing. But it's a very modern. It's it's Klopp like as and it's Guardiola like. But this desire to kill it in its infancy because. It, it's it's just not working. It may be our undoing. The other option, what's going to happen? We'll get another manager. People are actually on Twitter saying, bring Mourinho back. I mean, for God's sake, how completely outdated is him. They're trying to make it more modern. And and once again, I'll go back to this. You look at Napoli. Napoli played this unbelievable football. And it's very disciplined. And we may not have the players able to do that. In which case, he may not have the opportunity to do it. Or if Chelsea stick with him, he may be able to scalp people. And it may mean that we get rid of a large number of names. I just want, I agree, agree with you completely, Tony. Hazard is a miraculous player. And I've said this before on the show. Is, is it's really, it, we have to appreciate these moments of looking at these great players. He is a great player. And if we can keep him for as long as possible, and if the football around him can grow, all to the good. And, uh, and that's why I'm so keen on wanting it to work for Sarri. But we're Chelsea and... You know, it may not. <laughs> so, Tony, um, I thought Kante needs a bit of love here because, yeah, and call him Angola. I mean, the bottom line is, is that, you know, he's had a, I think he, I mean, I agree with Jonathan, actually. I thought Jonathan made a really interesting point in part one about um, basically, you know, how many or how few world-class players we have and, Hazard undoubtedly is a world-class player in my view 
uh, and, and so is Kante. I'm not so sure about Kepi yet. I think it's it's early days for him. He's got he's Getting a young there. keeper, so he's got to you know develop a bit. And I think Higuain is yeah, and I, I think Higuain undoubtedly is as well. But I mean, I think the measure of Kante is not just what a what a world class player is, but what an absolute professional he is. And one gets the feeling he's the only one that's kind of really bought in to what Sarri wants to do in a, in an uncomplaining way. He just gets on with it and. Uh, he's definitely, definitely improving in my book and getting more involved up front. And, I mean, he made two assists, which I think the first time he's ever done that in a game. I mean, that pass to uh, Higuain for the first goal was just unbelievable, wasn't it, Tony? I've never been one of these people... um, who who says that he's he's this player, he can only do this. Um, He... He's got so much more his game. He looked fantastic on Saturday, didn't he? He looked like he was enjoying himself. And maybe, maybe that's as a result of Higuain and Hazard and and, and, and the and the generally better flow we saw. Now, of course, I'm with JK on the fact that we've got some big tests coming up. Um, and I don't expect us to, to get through them all. I think we're up against uh, uh, some very, very good teams. I, we'll, I think we'll, we'll walk through Malmo, but the other, the Manchester sides, you know, if you watched City yesterday, you'd know just how scary they are at the moment. Um, and United as well, who are, you know, um, back to United as they were under Ferguson. But with Kante, um, he... I think he accepts that that role is there. I, I mean, I wish he'd shoot a little bit more. I do. Um, but he seems to be revelling in it. And I, I just don't go with this thing that a player can only be a player and can only play in one position. Some of these professional footballers, um, I go back to Thierry Henry and Marcel Desailly, who started off in different positions and excelled in the position they came to an end. You know, oh, Henry, Henry, Henry? <laughs> Henry was a winger when when when, uh, when Wenger signed him. When he, when he left to go to Barcelona, he was probably the best striker that the Premier League had, had seen in years. Um and so I'm, I'm quite happy with what Kante was doing. Um, and I, I do wonder whether that was as, resu- as a result of uh, the Higuain, the final clicking between Higuain and Hazard and, and you know, maybe one or two of the other changes. I, I'm not quite as optimistic as JK about Sarri's football because I think I, I haven't seen enough progress um, in it. You know, I've, I've sat there bored to tears and I, I just don't want to watch sideways passing all the time like otherwise I'd have been an Arsenal fan but you know he deserves that chance at least till the end of the season and it will go back to this if we don't get fourth he will be out I, I'm no doubt about that at all um, but you you and, and that the crisis will be bigger than that because, you know, there are players who are going to want Champions League football, etc. Kante, though, is, he's as precious as Hazard. Um, you know, he really is in the sense of a, a player. Yes, and we should keep isn't it, just, you know, not a spectacular. Yeah. Spectacular isn't always what you want. But, you know, from from a work ethic, from a... I think you touched on it there as well. There's this kind of non... non. I don't know what you said. Did you say not moaning? Well, there's a word for it, I'm probably moaning thinking. Moaning? No. Yes, uncomplaining. uncomplaining. I mean, he just uncomplaining. Is, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, he yeah, does everything. And, and, and yeah. very few players are no. I mean, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't have a hissy fit. No, so no, a model, exactly. A, a model. No, I mean, but I mean, but that's the kind of man he is. I mean, you, yeah. But if you if you just see him, he smiles a lot. He, he drives a mini. I mean, this is all very much part of what his character is about. I think. Uh, but I think we're we're blessed to have him. We really are. Um, the other thing, a lot of people were going on about Barkley actually, and I thought that was a good point because I thought, you know, and this is the interesting thing, Tony. And I don't know whether this is true or not, really. But I, I've been moaning for a few weeks that Barkley's been basically, 
you know, he looks constrained. Yes. Just passing sideways and 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 he looked a bit fearful of doing anything and i and and i remember when he he broke through years ago well not that long ago really but he he reminded me of gaza in the way he would get the ball in the midfield and just run at defenses he's got loads of skill but he he started yeah he did that a bit didn't he and it it, it gave us a bit of attacking impetus from midfield which is something we really lack particularly when Kovacic plays in that role and I I I wanted to say this if you looked at my I I had to wait until I got home to do my kind of eight or nine observations on the game I watched Barkley like a hawk from the beginning okay fully expected him to go on 67 minutes okay for Kovacic that's your fault Chid you put that bloody bastard table up the last last time I was on Um, and um, uh, for the first 20, 25 minutes, I think it was, every time he got the ball, he passed, 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 passed. And I was thinking, he's he's under orders there. Eh? He's, he's under orders to pass immediately, to do exactly what JK said, on the quarter turn, look up, pass. And he is much, much better as our, you know, I think this is what Sarri, this is why I think he has to adapt. The English game is not Italian. Okay, you do not get time on the ball. You don't always get the time to look around and pass. Sometimes you need a player, um, and and I will quote, and I'm not saying uh, Barkley is this, but he would be a great box-to-box midfielder driving forward with the ball. He'll get you some goals, not 20 a season. Okay, but when he, I think he ignored the orders. I think in the end, it looked to me like Barkley thought, bollocks, I've had enough of this, right? I am going to do what I'm good at. And when he did it, he was brilliant. I thought he really stood up in that game. 90 minutes will give him the will do him the world of good and he looked like he was really enjoying the fact that he was not going to just one touch pass it to someone else. That he was going to try and make things happen and that's what I want to see. I don't want to see the ball maneuvered up the field one touch as if it's a fucking FIFA PlayStation. <laughs> it is not that. Right? You can't say to one or two players you've got the right to run forward. You lot, I just want pass, pass, pass. And to be fair, I think that's one of our issues. I I do want to see more players willing to take on the ball, willing to drive forward with it. And the minute Barkley did that, I just thought he looked fabulous. And I was praying for Kovacic not to come and replace him. And of course, you've got it next on there. Kovacic came on for, uh, for Georgina, who I thought had a very, very good game. Okay, so, you know, that's... Well, I was going to say, Tony, actually, because because Sarri, Sarri's, Sarri's talked about this, hasn't he? Um, because, of course, we didn't get a replacement yes. for Fabregas, Fabregas even, which was supposed to be, a repl- you know, the, 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 the number two to Jorginho. And he's he's actually come out in the media and said he's, he thinks that Ampadu and Kovacic could do uh, the Jorginho role when he's yeah. not available. And, I mean, it's interesting enough. I think he, he thought that Ampadu would be better for it. But I actually Brilliant. think Looked Kovacic... Right, is suitable yeah. for that role. I mean, he's no threat. He's no threat going forward at all. So actually, yes. but he is a good technical player, and I think he, I think he's probably a better, better defensively than Jorginho yeah. as well. Actually, so that pleases me, Jonathan. I, I'm going to just bring you in on this, mate, about a Barkley and, and what Tony and I were saying on that, particularly Tony, because I wonder if the, the counterpoint to that is that you know, whilst Tony and I like players with flair who can just do things on instinct. I'm not convinced that that actually conforms with what Sarri wants, yeah, according it, to what you were saying. Yeah, so is that a valid point? And, but I actually thought he played really well in the first 25 minutes. He had several shots because he was playing much further forward. So despite him getting the ball and giving it away quickly, he was playing to orders. I thought he played really well doing it. And I thought they were they were uh, terrific doing it. 
And in fact, I didn't think he was disciplined as as disciplined as the game went on. And um, just to, just to to change the subject a moment, um, when Giorgino was substituted, the cheers from the crowd I thought was absolutely despicable. Oh, uh, that, that was awful, J.K. Well, absolutely awful. You don't no need for that. One of our players leaving the pitch. Who's actually, as you say, Tony, he played really well. He did. Yeah. He did. He did. He played much more. It was almost as if he was saying, look, actually, I can do this. I'm making an effort. And he passed really well, passed forward well. And I, I was really disappointed with yeah. large of the crowd for doing that. I mean, all right, Loftus-Cheek was coming on, but it was the second that he was substituted. It wasn't that Loftus-Cheek was coming on. It was the, you know, hooray, we've got rid of Jorginho. Yeah, yeah. What, what really annoys me is they're, they're judging him on previous performances where, yeah, he's been out of his depth. Yeah, he's been, he's had somebody on him all the time. But he was really good. So yeah. therefore, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it, it's, it's almost as if the club has been, pre, has been judged that Surrey's not good enough, the players aren't good enough, it's not going to work, let's get him out. It's a, there's a momentum, and that, and that, there's a momentum that's built up to that, isn't there? And, yes, and it's, yes, absolutely agree. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think it's a shame because it's, you know, Torgino's in danger of becoming the new Mikel or, you know, that we've had a series of these players that are boo boys. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that people latch onto, and and no matter that, uh, I'll be controversial. They're they're, they're like ardent Brexiteers. In that, doesn't matter what facts you put in front of them, they've made their mind up. They're shut down, closed down. He's crap. Uh, Mikel never did anything. Bloody bloody well. Jorginho's the same. Listen, I judge players on what they've done in that game, and if they've had a bad game, I reserve the right to cr- criticise them constructively, probably through Twitter. I'm I'm never one of these just says all oh, shit in it, you know. Um, and uh, I'm always that in that um, never boo a blue kind of thing. And and but that it, it, you know you, there were some people going oh, it's just a bit of an iron or ironic gin. No, it was a bit more than that. I think it was it was actual sort of like good get off. Yeah. And people are, right. were blinded to the fact that he'd had a very good game. It's a shame. Right. I don't you know. Um, good point, mate. No, good point. I I I I think it's appalling that that uh, I don't wouldn't like to boo any Chelsea player at all. I, I swear at a few. I'll <laughs> no, grant you, exactly. but I wouldn't boo one. That's for sure. Um, listen, I, I I can't remember who this was. I nicked this off somebody on Twitter. So if, if they're listening, and or, or you know, forgive me for stealing it from you and forgetting who it was. But they did actually tweet Jonathan in on this. But they they listed our last six games, which I thought made fascinating reading. Uh, we lost, uh, going further back, we lost 1-0, then we won 2-1, then we lost 2-0, then we won 2-1, which was against Spurs, the 4-2 finally on the penalties. Then we won 3-0, then we lost 4-0, and now we've won 5-0, um, which is absolutely topsy-turvy. And I think the point the point that uh, I've been making for weeks now is that it's a bit like going back to the 90s when we were woefully inconsistent. But actually, I, I think it might have been Steve Mode, I don't know, or CFC Mode, but... Uh, I mean, he said it was like going back to the sixties, which is why I tagged Jonathan in. But I, I do wonder. I do wonder. Apart from this kind of woeful inconsistency at the moment, which let's be honest is is surely to be expected when a manager is trying to change things. That that is clearly clearly quite a difficult job. But I, it has occurred to me, you know, given the kind of football that we're playing, and and the, there are similarities with dare I say it. Arsenal in terms of us becoming flat track bullies so we're absolutely superb against really poor teams but poor against good teams and then throw in the odd car crash like well, Bournemouth for good measure Bournemouth Jonathan. Are a great team. They lost to Cardiff at the weekend. No, I didn't say that I said I no I didn't say that I said we're great against I didn't say that I said and the odd car crash mixed in 
Bournemouth was a car crash. So we're great against poor teams, poor against good teams, with the odd car crash thrown in. And Bournemouth, for me, was a car crash. Because well, you're right, they're not a great they team. Lost to Cardiff with them. Uh, I, I just think it's going to be... You see, once again, the Bournemouth game, um, for the first 40 minutes, we, we bossed it. We, we didn't have a striker. Um, oh, much we did have a striker. We, um, uh, he hadn't played, had he, uh, Higuain? He, wasn't, he couldn't be selected. Um, so... Um, it wasn't uh, there wasn't a focal point again, and I just think their heads go when they can't score. Um, and so I, I, I honestly think there will be huge improvement. I really do. Um, but yeah, it, it, this is in fact very like the sixties because they were they were called the unpredictables in my dad's day because um, he, he would say, you know, we're playing Man United today, we'll win, and we're playing. Uh, you know, Grimsby tonight, and we'll lose. You know, what it would be because it, it was it was as bad as that. But um, uh, I, I, whether that's as we're going to get onto it, whether that's a uh, a concentration thing or a mentality or a confidence. Um, uh, but I think the confidence is, is will improve because of of having a striker there. Um, uh, but no, I. I do, do you think the consistency will improve yeah, when that must, does? Must. I, 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 but they must be happier in. Even in training, because they're seeing things that work, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it, you know, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating. We'll discover it, won't we? We'll just see how, how good they are at the, uh, at the weekend. I suspect he will play against City. He'll play in a similar way that we played at home, which is that we'll, we'll be uh, slightly more defensively orientated just because of the way that City play. It, it won't possibly be the way that he wants to play, but we'll be will be strong at doing that and then preferably I mean whether whether in fact playing City forces us to become you know more Conte-like um, in that we sit back and then have to break it may be forced upon us just because City are so good or whether he tries to play the same way which of course he will in which case um, if they get the ball unbelievably quickly down the other end they'll score I mean uh, that's, the, that's the difficulty isn't it because they're, 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 we, we were lucky in the home game in the first half where we just defended and they missed it. What was it? Um, Sane just missed a lot, didn't he, on the left-hand side? But then in the second half, we were all over them, and you wonder whether that's a confidence thing again. So, um, uh, you know, I'm, 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 mm. I'm at a, I'm at a loss to know which team is going <laughs> to, which team is going to turn up. But I hope, I hope they're inspired. Well, I mean, aren't we all? I mean, that's the, that is, that's the, that's the infernal, that's the infernal. Problem. That's the infernal problem with 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 bloody supporting Chelsea at the moment. And that's kind of, in a way why I, I kind of thought it was a bit like the nineties. Although the the irony, and I, I don't think this will be lost on both of you, but perhaps particularly Tony, is that in the nineties uh, we would we would be great against the good yeah, teams yeah. and shit against the poor teams. So you never you never knew what team ch- uh, would turn up then, but for completely different reasons. I I think it's all about consistency, and I think the more that they do I mean if if one assumes all things being equal that they will eventually get their heads around what Sarri wants, then I think it'll be like a symbiotic thing. Is the more that they get, they get you know get attuned to it, the more consistency we will see in results and performance, which is kind of what Sarri wants, yes. Tony, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's what he I said mean, afterwards, anyway. Again, I'm not one of those buying buying for blood. I th- I I I just think. You know, toast will what he will become if we don't get to a. You know, I think he's probably given that one target, fourth place. I don't think he was expected to do anything else. Um, 
we've got huge. T- I mean, City were phenomenal yesterday against Arsenal, and and um, if you even if you just saw the stats, how the hell they just finished three one, I've I've no idea. Um, but you know, we 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 can perform at that level. It, it's whether there's this interesting thing you said. You know, J.K. said motivation, and whether or not that's what he actually means. I think he knows enough about English to know um, what motivation means. Um, and if the players can't get themselves motivated for these big games, then that is a worry. It goes back to this thing. I, I do think, and it's a controversial statement here, I, do, I think we lack a leader on the pitch. Um, I don't think Azpilicueta uh, is is a captain. Absolutely no way. He's just too quiet. He's, he's not the man, I think. Uh, a mate of mine on um, on Friday night said to me, you know, you want someone like um, Tommy Smith, you know, if if Eden Hazard, if if Tommy Smith had been in the same team as Eden Hazard and someone had kicked Hazard up in the air, Tommy Smith would have been over to that opposing player saying, if I see you in our half, right, I'm going to get you, all right, and it's going to cost you a kneecap or whatever, just enough to put the wind up a player. We haven't got anybody like that. Um, and I think it makes us a little bit soft. Um, but on this point, you made JK, I think, about the fact that, you know, first half, everyone thought City were going to trap. I was in Berlin that day. Um, and then the second half, we were very good. I, I was talking um, yesterday to my son-in-law who came over and we were watching the City game. And I said, it's almost like when Arsenal um, did equalise yesterday, I think the fact that we went a goal up against City from the highlights I saw, it's almost like when you've got the, the champion boxer who takes a sucker punch from the other guy. And that is all it takes to dent the confidence. That's all it takes to uh, you know, yeah, put a chink yeah, in their yeah, armour. And I think that's what City City have got that at the moment. They've seen it with Newcastle result. They have. They are not invincible. I think they've got a, a, a phenomenal aura about them. But I think there are teams out there that, you know, we saw it. I'll take you back to that dark night when we had um, Benitez in charge and Cuba. QPR scored with, you know, 15 minutes to go with Sean Wright because they spotted that chink in our armour. And once that goal went in, you know, it didn't matter what we did, we were never going to get back into that game. And I think that's our, our best chance. I, I would, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated a little bit, Chidge, by the fact that um, I found some of the comments bizarre. Um, there's going to be no plan B until plan A works. There's going to be no changes, etc. You know, and I've said I said it on the last fan cast as well. The single greatest manager I've ever seen in my life is Sir Alex Ferguson. And he could win with flair or he could grind it out. And it's exactly what Solskjaer's doing with United now. They are winning some games with flair and fantastic play. Their players are happy. And then they go and win 1-0 against Leicester when they were backs against the wall. But they absolutely were working for each other. And I think that's any manager who hasn't got the capability to change a plan and do something different is doomed in the Premier League. I absolutely believe that 100%. But the, 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 uh, well, I mean, you, you know, you know I, I agree with you because, you know, you both know that I, I am a pragmatist, not an idealist. But it, I, I ought to, for you know, just to stick up for Sarri for one minute, in the press conference when he talked about that, he, he also quoted Pep Guardiola. And he's quite right in saying that Guardiola has never abandoned his principles and has always played the same way, and he ain't going to change either. Uh, now, OK, you could throw that back to me and say, well, he did have Messi in Barcelona, and they were a bloody good team, and you and I could have probably done the same. Um, but, I mean, he's been to Bayern Munich now as well, and he did well there, and he's been to City, and he's doing well there, albeit with a lot of money. So, you know, people who are... What I'm really trying to say, Tony, is that I, 
don't like it. I'm I'm a pragmatist. I'd rather people adapted to the situation that they see in front of them. But I accept that you know idealists can work. You know, although there has to be yes. you know extenuating circumstances, perhaps. The the reality is, chaps. You know, the reality is, chaps. We're still in four competitions, um, so we ain't doing that bad. But I, I, we've been mentioning this a lot, actually, already, haven't we? That you know, February is is quite a horrific month in many respects, uh, particularly coming off that Bournemouth defeat. Because I, I, you know, I know we can't. Uh, you know, I, I, I know it was a great win on Saturday. It was five nil. Hazard Higuain, all brilliant and everything else. But it wasn't a test. But you know, City next Sunday is a monumental test. Malmo away. I mean, Malmo are shit, but that's not going to be easy. It's a, it's a European game. It'll be bloody cold in Sweden. And, uh, you know, you can't you can't just say we're going to walk that. You've got United in the Cup the following Monday. Massive game. Then Malmo at home, where there could be a lot riding on it. Brighton are no mugs, and they will kick us and defend. And then, and then we've got City again in the Caribou Cup final. And then just to tail it off, we've got Spurs in the Premier League. I mean, that is, you know, a horrible, horrible month, I think, because even the easy matches are difficult, if you see what I mean. So, I mean, am I, am I, am I being depressive or have I got a point there? I mean, the, the big thing about this is, is that if, if like last week, they were all saying, um, well, you know, because I, I mean, it's really hard to tell, isn't it? You know, you, you can never really decipher the fact from the fiction when you're dealing with what the media are saying. But they were all, they've all been saying for the last week, and some of them quite close to the clubs, oh, you know, trouble at Mill, you know, if he doesn't get a result now, he's, he's going to be in trouble. I mean, if we, for example, heaven forbid, let's say we lose to City, we get knocked out of the cup by United, we lose to City in the Caribou Cup, we lose at home to Spurs, we get a duff result against Brighton, so let's say a draw, and we screw up against Malmo. Where do you think Sarri will be Ow. then, Jonathan? Ow. <laughs> On his bike, Chish. Uh, getting his P forty five. You really think so? Because I know you. You know. Well, I mean, I ask you first because you know, and I mean, I, I'm as as you know, because I said this on on Friday on the Love Sports Show, didn't I? I said that the, the splinters in my arse are ab- abundant at the moment because I don't it's really not, know. It's not going to be like that. Uh, you know, if I went with an emotional reaction, I'd get rid of him. But I'm trying like not that, to. Though, you know. Way. It won't be as, Sorry, I missed as that. Uh, appalling as you've made out. If it is, well, perhaps then one has to have a rethink. But I don't think it'll be as... I think it'll be 50-50. I yeah. don't think... You know, I think they'll... They, 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 they're they a peculiar lot. They'll raise their game. You know, they beat Spurs the other day, you know, in the, and were magnificent in the League Cup game. You know, so I, I'm... I'm uh, we have to be surprised by them occasionally. They, they do it. You know, they come out and you go, bloody hell, Louise played wonderfully, despite having played appallingly against Bournemouth. You know, you go, you go, God, Louise didn't make a single mistake and he was brilliant. It, it, they seem to be bigger. Some of them are, are big match players, aren't they? Let's be honest. We've mm. said this about, about some of them. Louise in particular, he really raises his game. Then against Bournemouth, he plays like an ass. You know, so uh, I, I, I know it shouldn't happen. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, if you look, if, if, if you take those games, as you've just said, all six of them, you start shaking in your boots. And as you say, you get splinters in your ass. But, uh but personally, if you did them one by one, I would say, OK, on to the next one. I can't see us losing to Malmo. I think you say we lost one nil there. I think we'd beat them at home easily because um, we're a classier side. I can't see us uh, losing to Brighton. Um, uh, and I think we'll get a result against Spurs. And we may win one of the City games. And the, 
the League Cup final is a cup final. So who knows? And it, I think it's also who's who's available and how they've been playing. Recently. Who are they playing in the in the um, European Cup just a few days before the final? Oh, Schalke. Schalke. Yeah. They've got a Schalke. Play, basically. Well, I don't. They're not bad, Schalke. Let's see. You know, I mean, it still take energy out of them. You know, I'm. I'm um, uh, things can happen in that period. I don't. I think we're being a bit too negative about it. I really do. Um, I'm. Uh, uh, I think he'll survive. I think. I think, I think Jonathan. I think. I think the, 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 the. I think. I think the issue that I have. The reason I got splinters up my ass is because, you know, as I said, I've got. You know, I'm torn because I hate to see us lose and I hate to see it going a bit pear shaped. And you know, I'm I'm as emotional and passionate as the next person. So. You know, my reaction will be informed by that. But on the other hand, as I said on the Love Sports show on Friday, I, I, if you accept that we needed to change, and I think from a footballing point of view, we probably did because we we no longer had the powerful, pacey players that we had uh, when we yes. dominated people. Uh, and although we were playing quite a handy counter-attack game because we had some pretty nifty forwards and and great players like Hazard, the number of times, you know, football sports have got very short memories. You know, the number of times we would sit there being really frustrated because we couldn't break down park-the-bus type teams that we should beat easily. You know, maybe it was time to move on from counter-attack. Maybe it was time to actually take possession of the ball, create stuff. So if you accept that things have to change, then surely you have to take the pain while it does change, you know? And so I would be inclined to give him a, a really free run at this, even if it... If it's horrible in the short term, I'd go further. You know, to give him the chance to get some more players in. Give him longer than a than a, than a. Well, hang on a minute. Give him give him a bit longer than a week. You know, in pre-season training, give him a summer so he can work with these players and a few more players. Otherwise, give him two seasons. If there's no improvement in two we, seasons, we then, then fine, get rid of him. Sorry, uh, but Tony, so you, you were about to come in then. Sorry, lots of the fans may then get their wish in that because he then may get back people um, who are on loan and say, "Well, you fit my pattern better." Because you're young and impressionable and speedier and fitter, if that's going to be the case. So it may have immense po- positives. And also, if we get a transfer ban, as I said on Friday, then we may end up um, having to do that anyway. And they may then be in a position where they don't want to get rid of him because um, it doesn't suit. He, it, they need somebody who's going to use uh, all the low knees and the youth setup. Sorry, Tony, to get in your way there. Sorry. No, I was just, uh, uh, no, mm. no problem. I, I, you know, I, I think um, you know if if we have a most disastrous next five five weeks or whatever, you've you've got to go to the end of the season with him anyway. There's no one out there who's going to come in and do an interim job that's going to make it any better. Um, and um, I think if you give him that preseason, I, you know, I, the, the fact the fact of the matter remains that if you don't get fourth. Um, if we don't have Champions League football next year, Roman Abramovich will be having none of it. I cannot believe that he will he will countenance two seasons out and then the loss yeah. because I think there, I think there would be an well, exodus. Let... Some players saying I want out of this. I'm going to mention one other thing though, um, and it's very very quick. Well, um, but I to, we sort of skipped over the, the Christensen Louise thing, but um, uh, and it was literally just, right, just a comment that was made to me. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got to get off my chest. Um, uh, outside the ground, uh, there was a group of uh, players that went over to the fans after the Bournemouth game, and Louise was one of them. And he was given a r- real load of verbal, being told to you know f off and this sort of stuff. Um, apparently, he got a bit 
upset about it because he'd you know gone over there to say look I know I, I bollocked up and I'm sorry and he was actually saying I'm sorry um, and this one guy that I was near on Saturday said I also called him this a Copacabana C-U-N-T that's what he called him and he said he, he, was like, he got really upset about it and, do you know what I just want to say this don't coat the players off if they go straight down the tunnel after the defeat if you're going to coat them off and do that in front of them when they come over to apologise Okay, because I'm surprised. I wonder Eric Kant and I went and kicked that bloke that time. Some fans really are asking for it. If they do that to a player's face when he's come over after a bad game and a bad defeat to apologise and you go and give him a load of stick like that and then you wonder afterwards why they go straight down the tunnel when they have a defeat. You know, I'm so, I, was so, I was so gobsmacked I couldn't even say what I wanted to say, which was you know, it's beyond belief when people do that. Sorry, I just had to get up my chest. Well, I know. But there we go. That's that's what you get these days. No, no, no. Totally right, mate. Right, listen, in part three, we're going to have a look back at the Bournemouth defeat and uh, talk about this whole idea about what, what, what is actually Sarri really talking about when he's talking about mentality and motivation and uh, and what are these current issues, many of which we've already touched on, of course. Uh, you know, is it going to be about the top four? Uh, will Roman pull the trigger? All that kind of thing. We'll speak to you soon. <laughs> Chidge. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Of course, uh, we're already in part three. That 
whiz by, didn't it? Um, anyway, around this time of the evening, it's a good chance to remind you about the wonderful uh, Hyundai Extra Mile competition, of course, which uh, basically we're working with Hyundai and they're running it every month. Uh, and what they want to do is to pick a winner for their Extra Mile competition who will then get to uh, get match tickets, of course, for a Chelsea match and possibly some Chelsea merchandise. Uh, but also, the great thing, I think the best thing about it is, but I'm biased, but they also get to come on to the Chelsea Fancast. I'll go and do an interview with them and we'll play it out on the show. Uh, so it's a great prize to have. Uh, and it all, you know, when they've picked the six winners from the months that they're doing it in, they all go into the hat and then they can go and see some European matches as well. So it's a very good prize. And it's the Extra Mile competition. It's only open to UK supporters, as I said. Uh, but to enter it, it's very easy. You just share in about, I don't know, a few hundred words how you have gone the Extra Mile following Chelsea. And you put that on their blog page, the link of which can be found on the Chelsea Fancast Twitter and Facebook pages, pinned right to the top. So uh, look out for that and for other tweets that we do about it and uh, respond appropriately. So there you go. Um, right. Uh, we really ought to pick up with the uh, the, the Bournemouth horror. Um, I mean, although actually, I think it's a really good point that you both made earlier, and and people in Mixler as it as it happens, that we weren't that bad in the first half, really, or until they scored. In fact, Kovacic could have put us ahead, and uh, we played all right. But the minute that goal went in, the kind of air went out of us. And I think that I think the point is, guys, that there was a real feeling amongst the supporters at the time that they'd chucked it in and they weren't trying. And again. I go back to the right honourable Stuart Pearce on Sky this morning, who, when asked, have you know, have the Chelsea players been chucking it in? Is there a an issue with motivation? He said, "Well, I don't think so." He said, "I I was there and I watched it, and I thought that every single one of those Chelsea players were trying." So it was more basically ineptness than than a lack of trying or motivation. And I thought that was an interesting point, and that made me think of this next thing about what Sarri was saying uh, when he's rounded on them after both the Arsenal and the Bournemouth game. Uh, having the wrong mentality and uh, having the uh, not having enough motivation, and it occurred to me that maybe uh, a little bit has been lost in translation because I, I, you know, remember that Sari is not, you know, is not a native English speaker. So I'm wondering if, you know, men, in, in terms of mentality, he means kind of dynamism and energy. This is the idea that they have to press. You know, that's how the game works. And for motivation, I don't think he means that they're not motivated or that he can't motivate them. I think maybe he means that he can either not get his message across to them or they're not not hearing it. So, Jonathan and Tony, I know you're both well into the mentality and motivation thing, so I'll put it to, to Jonathan first. Do you think there might be some mileage in what I've said there? Or am I talking absolutely well, no, out I, my derriere? I, I think it, it, it combined with what I was saying about playing with a striker. I think... Um, um, I think the heads just go down. It doesn't really matter whether I think they're trying. I just think their confidence goes, doesn't it? After that, after the second goal went in, because the the first goal was a bit of a shock to them because they were bossing it, uh, you know. And then what, what was it he said? Um, how apparently said, uh, "Don't worry if you don't get the ball; it'll come," you know. Because in the first first half, they just weren't in it at all, um, and it wasn't a question of the ball being passed sideways all the time it was just a question of us not being they 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 were very good at putting four men on hazard they really were very good at defending but i i I think the answer once again is higuain once you've got somebody in there and you score it changes the whole complexion of the game and i think there it just seems to make great sense from a confidence point of view that if you if you're um bossing something completely and the opposition score two quick goals the second one is entirely because of an appalling cock-up you know, it, it's 
it, it, you should be, you should fight. So that, perhaps that's an aspect of the, the motivation not being there. You should fight well enough. But then the third goal that Bournemouth scored was a complete cracker. And, this, and they're pushing up. And you think, well, you've, you've, you've created, you've been the, you know, the method for your own downfall. You've, you've set yourselves up completely for this. So I wasn't as, perversely, it was a, it was a, a terrible loss. But I wasn't as as disappointed as I would have been if we'd just been, um, you know, if you thought, well, this is, you know, this is watching Chelsea in 1983. You know, it was when they were just terrible. This was something that went completely wrong. And once again, they can't score. And I think we've we've solved it by buying Higuain. So I don't think we're going to have that problem ever again. I really am that positive because he is such a focus. But. But yeah, it's. It, but it makes sense to me that if you if you're suddenly two 0 down, obviously you're going to think let's get another one back. Right, come on. And then they but they happen to score and a terrific goal. The third goal was terrific. Some good passing, terrific passing. I mean, everybody was saying that one of the reasons why they stopped Chelsea was playing was because that boy Brooks was on on uh, Jorginho, but he had no influence on him at all in the first half. I didn't see that at all. Um, I, I just thought that we we once again lacked the cutting edge. Um, so uh, you know, and in a, to an extent, for me, the the we it's been answered to a great to a great great extent by having Higuain score at the weekend. Because for me, the whole team are uplifted, and I honestly think it won't be as bad again. Tony, what oh, do you I'm reckon, not, mate? I'm not as confident. I mean, that makes us a bit of a one-man team, and uh, that worries me. That worries me immensely. That you know that Higuain picks up an injury, gets a couple of yellow cards or whatever, and then, um, yeah, then Sarri's well-crafted plan A with no plan B because he hasn't got plan A cracked yet falls to pieces. Um, I think we have some you know, some players um, you know, maybe approaching the end of their, 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 their time with Chelsea. Um, well, Tony, what do, you, what do you think about the whole mentality and motivation? And I believe thing? it. I, I I think if if he's lost the changing room, if they don't respect him, that's a different thing completely because uh, these players were motivated to win the title under Conte and win the FA Cup last year. And then uh, a few of quite a few of them were pretty motivated to win the title under Jose. Um, so I don't think motivation is a problem for them. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're uh, winners for Christ's sake, I, I, aren't they? I mean, they've won... <laughs> Yeah, they've won two league, two Premier yeah. League titles, an FA Cup and a League Cup in the last four yeah, years. They, they, we know think... that they're motivating. But on the other side of the coin, they've also uh, down yeah. tools for two managers. It is, so and I think it's a difficult is, one, isn't it? This is the point I was getting on to, is this down in tools thing, whether it's, whether it's witting or unwitting. Um, it, you don't, we don't know what's happened behind the scenes, but you've got to be very careful going into a team of trophy winners, two of whom have got a World Cup winner's medal as well now. Uh, and start telling them that what they've been doing is wrong, um, as opposed to how we can change things for the better. It's a real, very, very fine line. And I think, you know, I, I, before we start saying these players aren't good enough, before we start saying that a 32-year-old player is too old, which is one of the most ludicrous, stupid things I've ever heard. Yeah. You know, the... the, the unbelievable that we're now looking at footballers and saying, you know, what, what we'll be doing next when they're over 25, they're dead in the water. Utterly ridiculous at 32, they're saying players are too old. And it makes a mockery, I think, of our policy of over 30s. I think that's that's been proven to be bloody stupid now. Um, uh, but I do think that in terms of motivation, I th you know, it goes back to this thing I said about the captain 
and not having a proper, real focused leader. I know we've been bloody spoiled and rotten with JT for all those years. Okay, but there's no one chest thumping or whatever. And he'd like to say we'd like a team of 11 captains, but the truth is you're always going to have one person who is the one who's geeing up everybody, who's kicking asses, who's, who's really driving things on the pitch as the, as the representative of the manager and the fans. Azpilicueta is not that player. Someone else, um, JJ Chiv- um, John Chips Chiverton, um, says, you know, perhaps it's Louise. But I'm not convinced of that. He's a fire, he can be a fiery personality, but he's also a very nice guy. And I, I imagine that he would love to be loved by everybody in the team. I'm not sure a captain like JT gave a shit <laughs> one way or the other. You know, he was, you know, just a, I'm a senior player, you do as you're fucking told because I'm the captain. And I think that's that's what's missing. We have no, we have, we are, you know, you you said it at the beginning of Chidge, it took the air out of us. But who's there to pump the air back into us? No one. I see <laughs> Tony, yeah, quite. Good point. Say, um, Good point. Jonathan? Do you, Tony, do you think you, it, it might be that you're just being a little bit old-fashioned for this? Because this to me... Surely will readily be an old-fashioned old, old chap. I know, but this to me smacks of being um, uh, of, you know, we need strong midfield players to kick people and show the badge and no, play no, the team. Not at all. I and, think there is that, and, yes. And, and I know, but it, it, which isn't what he's trying to do. And all these things are laudable, and I agree, but it's the old team. It's how they've played before for success. And I think football has moved on, and I think football is moving on. And I think what we're trying, what he's trying to do and what Chelsea are trying to put faith in is this ability to play this different style of football. And we cannot, therefore, regress. And if he fails miserably, we, uh, when we get a manager in, who sim- plays a similar way to defensively or to the way that we played before, the players will change accordingly. I mean, I think there are mixed messages, and we're going to get on to this, in that I don't understand why Dave has been given a five-year contract. Or, uh, and who's the other one who's been given a long contract? Um, uh, help me here. There's someone else who's just... Alonso. When Alonso. Clearly, they don't quite work in this setup. Unless, of course, he thinks they will. Because Dave, who I love, is a wonderful, wonderful player, cannot cross. And you really think that he really ought somehow just to try. I mean, he did get more into the penalty area against Huddersfield. But you think, come on, practice your crossing, for goodness sake. Because he doesn't fit into the way that Surrey wants. And yet, if we were to say, all right, we're going to play five at the back. and We'll have, have him playing centre-half next to uh, Rudiger and Louise. You'd say, OK, yes, he plays wonderfully there. But... Excuse me, that's not what they're trying to play. Or do we then get a new manager in who says, right, you are all capable of play, only going to play that kind of style, and which is therefore why they'd be given these five-year contracts if they don't fit into the Saris world. Well, You're going to play that kind of style and we'll get rid of the manager. So yeah. I think they're bored of giving them mixed, mixed messages as well um, in the team. But for me, um, it's it, this whole pro- this, there's a distinct desire, particularly on Twitter, to want to go back to what made us a great side. That, that's not what and I'm I, saying. No, 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 it's not, I'm not saying you said that, but I'm just saying that I just think that this is, this is it's all, it, it isn't progressing. It isn't what Liverpool uh, are playing. It isn't actually what Spurs are playing. It isn't what, um, it isn't what uh, uh, City are playing. And that is what we're aspiring to do at the moment. And I fear that if we go for this, you know, right, we can, we'll defend and we can get, and we just, when we'll counterattack, 
that's Bournemouth. You know, we'll start playing like Bournemouth. We don't need to play like Bournemouth. We've got better players. It's an elite club. And so uh, this is why I'm so positive about it and keen for it to work. If it doesn't work, it'll be the brainchild of the next manager, whoever that is that they get. If they, it might be that they get Zidane, if they get Zidane, he will want to play a different um, way of playing than, than, uh, than a Conte-style um, counter-attack. So perhaps he would bring it out. Perhaps there's a compromise to be had that isn't Sarismo. But, uh, but at the moment, I would hope that we could, we could get this to work under Sarri, as I've said. But no, I think, I, I, and I, I'm not saying that you're putting it, making it a, one, a one-man team by having Higuain. I just think it's given them a focus and it means that they become, that you don't have to have Hazard playing there and it get, makes them as a team much more confident if we're talking about the mentality. Because I think that, to me, that's been the problem. And I didn't, have a, I didn't actually have a problem with him, him uh, not having his coaching staff after the Bournemouth game chat to everybody because I think he's, he's a mature man and he wanted to actually individually say to them, do you think I'm not coming up to scratch? I think that was absolutely fair enough. I mean, obviously, I'm not in the change room. I don't know what happened. But uh, um, but it, it seems to me that that was a rather than have somebody to dilute it by having the rest of the coaching staff there, he wanted to talk to them individually and almost to say, guys, why isn't this working? I didn't think in the press went completely mad. Alan Smith in the standard went absolutely berserk over it, saying in never in all his footballing years has he ever heard of a manager addressing the team without the whole of the coaching staff. Well, if he wants to do it because he wants to think, say to them, is my system not working? Can you actually do it? Which it seems to me, he's a very honest man. It seems to be the kind of thing he would discuss. That makes great sense to me. And I think if it's not working at all, he'd be the first man. And I think he would resign. I really think he's that, he's that principled. I really feel that, that I get that impression from him. If he thinks it's not working at all, he will say, sorry, it's not working. I, I'm, I'm leaving. And I, I, that is a distinct possibility for me. I'd well, probably say, oh, sorry, oh, it's not oh, working. Oh, yeah. It took some time, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Moving very swiftly. Yeah, mate, I just, I was, yeah. No, I was riveted to listening to that. I mean, Jonathan, what, what an absolutely, an impassioned, uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not going to call it a defence, but an impassioned argument, certainly. Um, I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, if we can just take ourselves out from the heat of the battle for a minute, Tony, because we're obviously affected by it because we support Chelsea, but it is a fascinating turn of events. And I, I've always said this about, um, you know, Sarri's press conferences. You know, I think he's incredibly honest all the time. Perhaps, yeah. you know, honest to a fault, you know, maybe saying things that he shouldn't say. But I do think he's honest. And I, 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 I'm like JK. I don't have a problem with him spending 40 minutes in the dressing room with the players on his own. You know, I mean, I, I don't think it undermines the... I mean, you know, that's the argument, that it undermines the rest of the coaching staff. But, you know, ultimately, this is only going to work if he can establish a relationship between him and them. So, you know, fair play. Well, I, I mean, don't have a problem with that. This guy who's, who said he'd never heard of a manager doing... Alan uh, Smith. It, yeah, he never went to Old Trafford then, no? <laughs> when, when Ferguson was in charge. Um, I'm afraid that's, you know, a ridiculous... I, look, I, I think Sarri has made some public statements, which I think other we would have been all over Conti for saying some of that stuff last year. And we, we were, some people were all over him for saying less. Okay, so there are levels of hypocrisy um, going well, around here about the board all the time, though, didn't well, you? no, but I, you know, ultimately, if you do that or you get at the players, one way or the other, that's not the way to go about it. Uh, you know, the, the club is sensible enough to have somebody sitting next to Terry saying we don't we don't go public with that sort of thing, and and he has. I think they I think they are mistakes. 
okay, um, I don't think balling players out in public, I mean, that's ultimately been the downfall of Jose because that's where he he went after Real Madrid, wasn't it? You know, public calling out players and, and that sort of stuff. However, on the other side of it, if he felt that he needed to have the dressing room to himself to get his side of things over, he's perfectly entitled to do so. And if not one person in the press knows it went on in that 40 or 50 minutes post Bournemouth, okay, they, there is no one. So they're all just speculating. And it's very easy to go, well, he's in the know when actually they're not in the know. Okay, they're just guessing and saying, well, obviously he was in there giving them a bollocking, but he may not have been. He may have been saying, listen, you lot need to tell me what it is that's not working. And, and, and that sort of thing, that's modern, that's not modern football management, that's modern business management. Yeah. Okay, that's that's just how you motivate and how you get to, to team. Tony, I, would, I would trust him to do that because he was a bank manager. This thing has been been held Ma- out of him. He's a man of business that as if it's comes on, he knows nothing about football. He's a bank manager. And you go, well, actually, no, he's had a mature um, approach to life based on business. And so I agree with you completely about that. I think it's really likely. He may even have said, guys, if you can't make this work, I'm out of here. We don't know what went on. But the speculation has been so dreadful. Was it Steve Nichol, who used to play for Liverpool, of course, he's got an agenda, said it was a circus. Chelsea are a laughing stock. You think, well, that the problem is, is because somehow it gets the spin on it is immensely negative all the time. And it's not helped by people... Yeah, but he yeah. Uh, thank, thankfully Jonathan, Jonathan, thankfully he was absolutely he torn a new he one was. by Gab Marcotti. I mean, you know, Gab Marcotti, you know, I mean, he is he's got the brain the size of a planet. So it was like it was like seeing an adult whack yeah, a yeah, child. Yeah. It was just hilarious, actually. Steve Nichols, an absolute burke of the oh, highest yeah, order, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. But still, it's out there. You know, that's the thing. And there are people. Well, yeah. he's from the John Aldrich School of oh. Reporting, though, isn't he? <laughs> yes. I can I can insult someone. There there is no bigger insult if you, if you compare them to that um, that Burke. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting conversation. But, you know. All right. Well, look. Let let let's let, let's let's. It, it yeah. is. But let's let's try and tie this together a bit because I think you both made some very interesting points there that alluded to this a minute ago actually. And actually, just pick up on Jonathan's first. And and well, actually, they're both of yours really because it's interesting, isn't it? How this is all coming out over the last week. And I mean, you know, my old mucker. Uh, Simon Johnson and the Standards come out with some interesting articles, um, and I can't remember where the other one was from, so forgive me on that. But there's a there's an article that came out about Sarri being frustrated by Chelsea's dysfunctional approach to transfers, so you know not getting a replacement for Fabregas and all that kind of thing. And you know this is picking up on the well, of course, if he does that, then he's doing what Conte did. So therefore, you know the the the, uh, the divisions are already in place. Uh, and then there's one about fringe players struggling for form and feeling pain and stiffness due to not being played on a regular basis. So this is an attack about him only choosing, you know, 12, 13 players. Uh, we've seen other managers at Chelsea do that. Uh, Conte, anybody? Mourinho, anybody? So this is not new. Um, although he did take a lot of heat for that in Italy, apparently, for doing the same thing. And then there's another one about, you know, the cl- the, the players that are, are unhappy uh, because they have to do training on match days and it's not going down very well. So, you know, it's all festering underneath. And as I said earlier on, it's really hard to establish whether this is, you know, idle speculation by the press and the usual amount of, you know, basically anti-Chelsea bias, or if there is, you know, it no smoke be, without fire, Jonathan. Simon it's Johnson difficult to know. But the, the business about um, uh, training on match day is just absolutely ridiculous. They do a light 
like train to warm themselves up, particularly if it's a 5.30 start. That was the story that I heard. It wasn't that they go in and he puts them through it. He just reminds them of a few things they're supposed to be doing, which makes great sense to me and isn't a problem. And other teams do it. So that's just uh, a, a ru- that's rubbish. Um, uh, and, the, and the other thing was it, he does repetitive things in training. Well, they all do repetitive things in tra- training. You know, George Graham used to give him a rope to do repetitive things to keep them in a line. You, you, you do it. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say to hang themselves by a minute ago. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, it's that's not a that's not a criticism either. They have to do repetitive things because he's trying to get them to change the way they play. Um, uh, and I, I'm I, I'm a bit. Uh, he's his star has has gone down into the ocean in my eyes, uh, Simon Johnson, because he keeps quoting the William to Barcelona for sixty million um, story, which is clearly just completely rubbish. So, um, I mean, he did mention something about uh, there might be a clear out of the over 30s, which makes sense because that's what Chelsea tend to do um, in the summer, um, in which case it'll be very interesting to see who they buy. Um, because I don't think they're going to not buy um, top players. Because I know I, I, the, the trouble is, is when you see, once again, bringing the, bringing the business of, uh, of uh, getting of giving a contract to, to Dave and to... Um, uh, who was the other one? I've forgotten again. Um, and Alonso. Alonso. Alonso is you go. Uh, you go. Okay, Alonso. Well, it, it, what's that based on? Are the board therefore not quite on on his side, or they think well they'll be around forever, or they'll just be squad players or whatever because they haven't been good in this system, despite being fantastic under Conte. So um, uh, I. I, I, I I, I, occasionally, I just don't get it with the board, and we'll never know. I mean, I answered a survey today. Um, I got asked a, uh, a, to, to comment on a survey about where I sit, and uh, and uh, I wrote in. Um, I, I think there's a there's a problem with with the board being. We've talked about this before. Being never ever giving any information at all, and you just feel there ought to be a PR in some way to mollify people. Otherwise. It's huge speculation occurs all the time and, and an enormous negativity about Chelsea. I mean, there was a, an interesting thing where on the Man City game yesterday, the, was it Martin Tyler was talking about how um, City were selling lots of their players on loan and they make a nice sum to, you know, they, they, they bring good funds in. And you think, hang on a second, it's exactly what Chelsea do and everybody and Chelsea are vilified for it. So we've got these two ridiculous double standards going on and the media... And my, my, my dismay is if ever there's a negative story about Chelsea, the media pounce in a way that they don't do to other clubs. And, uh, and I find it... Um, uh, and but you know, you know why that is. You, I mean, we all know why this is. I'm, do you know what, Jonathan? I'm going to post this on the homepage of the Chelsea Fancast website. To, and I think in legal terms, they say, for the avoidance of doubt. The reason why Chelsea get picked on so much by the media is because we are not Man United, yeah. Arsenal, Liverpool or Spurs. And we broke up the old order to, the, to a degree that the, uh, the, the, the TV, radio and written press do not like, either because they liked the old order or because they, you know, a, a combination of whom they support, yeah. which will be yes. Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal or Spurs. There is nothing we can do about that. What I, what I thought was interesting, Jonathan, what I thought was massively interesting about what you said, you know, I agree with you because if... Um, 
because the club never say anything, it it creates a vacuum for all of this, yeah. you know, rumor mongering and scare stories to get oxygen, and and particularly among the sports. And I was thinking earlier on when we were talking about this because I just wanted to kind of bring in this old idea about you know Sarri kind of asking for patience, saying that you know Klopp, Guardiola, and Pochettino have all been given time. He should too be too if he's going to change all this. I, you know, maybe in that rare instance when this might work, but maybe, you know, somebody in the club should come out, somebody high up in the club should come out and say, look, you know, we we want to keep Sarri here for two yeah. years. He's got two years minimum to make this work and we will do nothing about it until that two years is up, at which point we will review it. And it will stop all of this speculation well, in an instant. It might lead to an appalling, appalling atmosphere if yeah. he carries on losing. They'll just be booing non-stop. But I suppose they have to deal with it. You have to deal with it. I agree completely. I absolutely agree completely. Yeah. The, the club's link with the fans has is, is been pretty appalling anyway. I mean, they, you know, um, the last CEO that had any connection to the fans at all was Peter Kenyon, you know, because he would go and have a pint in certain pubs around the, the ground and quite happily take Q&A from fans, you know. Um Ron Gourley, as far as I know, he never did that. Um, we've not had a CEO since. Guy Lawrence, uh, who obviously you know was a former CEO of mine, um, was never that kind of person. But he was the kind of person that where I worked to you know sit out and you know no open plan offices and come you know have a cup of tea with me or that sort of thing. Has but he left is... now, um, Tony? Huh? Has he left Chelsea? Is he still at Chelsea? No, he's still at Chelsea. He's, he's still, still there. Still. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, obviously look, he's there because of. His track record. He's he's a marketeer. He's he's doing the business side of things. He'll have pretty much zero involvement with football, and it goes back to this this whole thing that uh, I think on the football side of things, you know, we had a chance in the summer to 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 change the hierarchy, change the structure. You know, go go a little bit down the route that other clubs have gone, and 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 separate the the football operations side of things from the business side of things, and we haven't done that. So you've got a board that's now dealing with both. Um, with no football expertise at the top level of it. None, as far as I can see. Um, Scott, whatever his name is, but he's a head scout. Don't give me that. What, what, what was he in the game? You know, I mean, I'm talking, um, when, when I look at City and I think they've got, oh, I want to pronounce it, Bejisteran, is it? Be, oh, something help me out here. Um, and we've got nothing like that. And we had a chance to do something there. Close, yeah, that's yeah, close, mate. close, but no um, cigar. I, I think that's that that's that is an issue within our club, and I think we are, you know, as as a as a fan myself, I've never felt more disconnected from the club. I've said this before, um, and the PR side of it is is poor. The the backing for Sarri, they've never done it before, have they? They've never publicly come out, and you know, they're very, we're very guarded on everything, aren't we? Every aspect of the club is almost, um, you know, and, and I do mean that I am punning on this, but in a Kremlin-like uh, atmosphere shrouded in secrecy or whatever. Um, but I think ultimately we would stand to gain nothing uh, this season, this season at least by, by coming out and saying anything. Let's just see it through. Um, fan discontent is fan discontent and it's always going to be the same. Uh, you know, they were they were conting out people after his first season. That's <laughs> just the way way, way it goes. Um, I, I definitely think, um, and maybe the World Cup in, in, in interfered with the the, the restructuring. It, it, it's gone very very quiet at board level, isn't it? Since since the whole visa business, uh, I don't think Roman Abramovich has been at many games. 
Um, yeah. No, and the stadium plans, etc. Um, when when we see, you know, other clubs are building, you know, theatres for football that are going to be more attractive than ours. Um, it, it's a very difficult, awkward time. I, I I'm still there, thinking that that things will change eventually. But at the moment, I just think from a PR perspective, Chidge, and I don't just mean. Uh, Mr. Atkins, I mean, generally, it's bad. I think it is just bad. Uh, yes, hard to hard to disagree with that, mate. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, we were all saying earlier on, weren't we, that um, you know, our suspicions are that even. I mean, this because you know, the, it's so hard at the moment, isn't it? Because you know, you said this earlier on, Tony. The yes. evidence and the history tells you that if if we don't finish in the top four, he'll be gone. Because that's what we've always done. If we don't win something and we don't finish top four, he'll be gone. But we don't know because, you see, we've never seen this being tried before. We've never seen somebody being brought in specifically to change the entire identity and playing style of of the club, apart from maybe AVB, I would argue. I mean, although, you see, you could argue with AVB, he was brought in to to get rid of the old guard. You know, there so was a it's, statement it's, it's, even that's point, not exactly there, the same thing. So it's so difficult to know. There, there was a statement at some point about AVB, I think, at the very beginning of the season. You know, we wanted to be here four years or five years or the, the project or whatever. Um, but they soon backed away from that as if it was, um, you know, like a Jacob Rees-Mogg statement that no one goes near again. <laughs> no, never said that, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I don't know, how, you know, but I, I'm pretty sure you could probably sit with some... Spurs, Liverpool, potentially Arsenal fans, um, and Man United in the last few years, and they would give you the same kind of perspective. Don't you think? It's, I think it's possibly a modern football thing, more, you know. Yeah. Anyway, you know what they say. We will see. We will see. Because, you know, we're not in control of events, of course. Now, part four coming up. Uh, Jonathan's got some great emails to read out uh, and uh, I will be wrapping up proceedings with some usual parish notices. See you in a second. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast and I'm Stamford Chidge and we're on the home straight. We've got emails and a, and a few usual kind of uh, notices for me to give out. Um, but it's been good fun tonight. A lot of interesting discussion and there's loads of people in Mixler. It's lovely to see you all in there. Right. Um, Jonathan, this is uh, take Josh it away. Farrow. I'm sorry, I've aged 40 years in the small time I've been doing the show. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> Dear Chidge, Jonathan, the rest of the Chelsea Fancast family. Yes. First and foremost, I want to say thank you for putting out so much amazing content week after week. We just make it up, Josh. I don't know anyone else who follows football, let alone Chelsea. Yeah. So podcasts we do, like yours, true. the closest thing I have to a post-match trip to the pub to celebrate, dash, bemoan the team's performance. I know there's a lot of time and hard work that goes into this. No, there's not. And I appreciate it. I'm thousands of miles away and it would not be possible to feel so connected to the club if not for you all. So again, 
thank you. Recently, my wife was at dinner with some colleagues, one of whom was visiting from your side of the pond. The conversation had turned to American football. Come on, New England. Seeing the look of complete disinterest on the face of the visiting Englishman, my wife asked him, what about proper football? Is there a club you support? He must have been taken a bit, <laughs> taken a bit by surprise because he exclaimed, you mean the Premiership? And then said, well, I don't really follow it, but I guess Man United. <clears throat> my wife proceeds to tell him that we're Chelsea fans. The surprise of an American woman asking him about football was nothing compared to the shock of learning this bit of information. His head nearly exploded as he shouted, what? By choice. As interesting as it might be to think about why someone who doesn't follow football and is for all intents and purposes a neutral would react to the news that someone is a Chelsea fan in that manner. The thing that actually stuck with me was the word choice. Do any of you feel like you made a conscious decision to support Chelsea? For me, it all happened very organically. I've loved football for as long as I can remember. But in America, coverage of games was minimal at best until recently. I remember being so excited that every game of the 2002 World Cup would be televised. As I was positively starved for football, I vowed to watch every minute, as it could very well be another four years before the opportunity to see the game played at that kind of level arose again. I've actually seen every World Cup match played since. As time went on, coverage here in the US got better. Champions League games started showing up on the television, and I watched every one that I could. I was an absolute neutral but as I was watching games, I found myself quietly rooting for one team in particular. It was impossible not to cheer on a team who would get results against the odds time and again with sheer testicular fortitude. So when TV deals fell into place and the Premier League was being broadcast in the States, instead of being overjoyed at the sheer amount of football that would now be available to me, all I could think about was that at long last I'd be able to watch every Chelsea game. It pains me to say the squad we have now is not one that seems able to will their way to victory. The spine of Czech, Terry, Lampard and Drogba have all gone, and with them, our backbone. The club seems a mess, with problems at every level from the board down to the players. At the board level, I'm having a very difficult time understanding our transfer policy. In Mourinho's second spell, we finished the first season in third, and the World Cup was that summer, but we managed to get both Fabregas and Diego Costa over the line within the first couple of weeks of the window. We even signed Philippe Luis, who at the time was regarded as one of the world's best left-backs. He didn't get in because, having won the slot from Ashley Cole, Dave wasn't about to relinquish it, and Ivanovic, Ivanovic played out of his skin that year. We went on to win the league comfortably. That was the last time we showed any real intent in the transfer market. The next summer, while everyone else was strengthening, we brought in Pedro, Barbara Raman, Michael Hector, and Papi Dilogibodji. Pedro is a decent player, but is he that much better than William? Where did we strengthen? Jose was out before Christmas, and we fought our way from 16th to 10th. Conte came in, and we got Kante, Marcus Alonso, and Michi, with David Luiz coming back as well. Kante was the only one of those players that would excite a fan base. Michi was purchased with an eye towards the future, and Alonso and Luiz were deadline day purchases meant to provide cover. Not to say that both didn't work out very well for us that year, as we lifted the Premier League trophy for the second time in three seasons. The following summer brought on a new set of problems. I don't know the details of the Conte situation or how strained the relationship between him and the club was that summer. But from a transfer standpoint, we sold Diego and Matic and brought in Morata, Bakayoko and Rudiger. Bakayoko was carrying an injury 
and and as we'd also sold Chaloba Chaloba that summer, we started the season with Fabregas and Kante as our only fit midfielders in a season where we'd have European football again. This led to the deadline day panic buy of Danny Drinkwater. And while you might say the club showed intent by breaking our transfer record to bring in Morata, a look of transfermarket.com shows that after all the conditional money was taken into account, Morata ended up costing us 59.4 million. And we got 59.4 million from Atletico for Costa for a net spend of zero. I think it's all well worth noting that the only strikers we were looking at were Morata and Lukaku, and we went with the cheaper option. Of course, hindsight is 2020, and Lukaku had a reputation as a flat track bully. But considering the points we dropped since, we could use a striker who makes meals out of lesser competition. We've just bought one. <coughs> we finished fifth and Conte was sacked, but not before the first training session of the following season. We brought in Sarri and Jorginho and broke our transfer record again for Kepa when the snake left. A new manager with a footballing philosophy that's about as opposite as you can get from our last two managers. And the only player who was brought in who wasn't a direct replacement for an outgoing player was Jorginho. One of the big misses in transfers for me is someone to play opposite Hazard. We signed Hazard in 2012. And while William and Pedro are fine players, they aren't good enough to keep other teams from employing the tactic of stop Hazard, stop Chelsea. I'm not quite sure what to make of Sarri so far. I honestly feel a little sorry for him. Pre-season training had already started before he was hired and the World Cup players didn't report until the week before our first Premier League match. When you're trying to change the style of play as drastically as he is, it's impossible to implement it successfully without any kind of pre-season and matches every three days. And while I agree we need a plan B, we didn't hire Sarri to play the same style of football we've played for years. He was brought in specifically to implement his philosophy. Yes. And so I understand the position he's taken in not changing our way of playing until after the players are actually following his instructions and playing in the way he set out. Regardless, I'd really like to see him given time, not necessarily because I'm excited by the prospect of Sarri ball, but because I truly believe this revolving door of managers has to stop for the good of the club. Who could we possibly bring in? How many top-notch coaches are there? And if we did find someone with enough quality and they had enough self-belief to jump into one of the hottest seats in world football, will they also be crazy enough to put their career in the hands of this group of players, given their history? When Jose was having that wretched season, it was largely the same team that won the league the year before. Conte also had a bad season with much the same team that stunk it up for Jose. Again, after winning the league the prior year. The managers are surely somewhat responsible, just as Sarri is now. But the common factor is this group of players. I'm not about to shit on any Chelsea player. They put on that shirt and I'm with them. But I must say, the badge seems to mean nothing to a large portion of these players. I want to see us win. I hate it when we lose. Seeing us lose is the quickest way to ruin my weekend. But really, I don't mind losing so much if the players really give it their all. No, I hate it when we lose regardless. Sometimes it isn't your day and that's fine. It's when the players can't be bothered to put in the effort that pisses me right the hell off. There's absolutely no excuse for it. As far as I can tell, there's not a single player in that dressing room who will grab someone and slam them against the wall and lay into them for disrespecting the badge, the fans, the manager, the teammates, etc. Reports said Sarri had them all in the changing room for nearly an hour, talking with the players, trying to figure out what had happened after the Bournemouth game. 
if there was a JT, Czech, Lampard, Drogba, Cole, Essien, Balak, hell, put out any old programme and pick a name. If any of those players were around, Sarri wouldn't have had to address them at all. By the time he made his way in there, there'd have been a player-led inquisition in full swing with cups flying all over the room and all kinds of stuff. No, likely what was waiting for Sarri was a group of players, some with heads hanging, but otherwise behaving as though it was just a bad day at work. Putting in full effort till the final whistle is the absolute minimum requirement. As far as I'm concerned, anyone who isn't willing to put that in can get the hell out. Kind regards, Joshua Barrow. Just to clarify, I don't really rate Lukaku. In Sarri's system, his first touch would be nothing short of a disaster. However, in the context of that window with Conte's system, given his pre-existing understanding with Hazard, he might have turned out better for us last year. Anyway, up the Chels. Wow. Always brilliant. Bloody hell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we've we've actually dealt with quite a lot of the stuff that he was talking about. I think about, so. I think what, the one thing that comes absolutely staggering through that is that the um, the, the, the JT Czech Lampard Drogba Cole era is is almost going to be as iconic to us as the class of '92 is to United. Does anyone disagree with that? Because that's where they're our reference point for everything. That no matter how mad the club went in terms of sacking managers. Um, you know, those players were the ones that, that they, they dragged it through. You you never looked at them and thought, you know what, they haven't got any balls. You, every single one of those players have been mentioned are the sort of blokes you'd think, do you know what, I'd have a little, I'd go into a fight with them, wouldn't you? Um, and that, that that's a huge difference to what we got now, I think. It's yeah, just very, a, very different, very different. Yes. I think they're the benchmark, Tony, aren't they? That's, that's the point. They're, they're, the ben, they're the benchmark. And uh, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, the thought that occurred to me when you were saying that was that, you know, none of them were like that, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, Lamps and uh, and JT were not like that. Drogba wasn't like that. We don't know about Czech, but presumably he wasn't like that before they came. So what happened was that, and I'm going to use that word again, Mourinho yes. implanted a mentality into them, which has sustained this club. Yeah pretty much up to present day. So it just proves that a manager can impose his mentality onto players. So you never know. Sarri might do the same with this lot. You never know. Sorry, no, Jonathan, no, I didn't no, mean no, to no, cut across you saying, then, mate. Just saying we don't actually know what, you know, what was going on in the, uh, in the changing room. Cause I, I, I and I don't think that that would, I don't think they're the kind of players who would behave as though it was just a bad day at work. I think they were gutted by having been beaten. Bournemouth. I really do. I don't get that impression. I get the impression that they're trying to make it work with him. I really do. And I think he's treating them as adults and he's not shouting at them. I think he's trying to, uh, perhaps that's the problem. Perhaps some of them want to be shouted at. I think he's trying to convince them um, that his way is the best and they've got to do it in a certain way. Um, but it is tricky because for some of them, it's been implanted in them that they're, you know, they're, they're top, top players and they're, some of them are more individual than he requires um, to, but if you can get the combination of the individual plus the discipline, I think we'll be a great team. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping so. Um, I, I'd like to see his project fulfilled. I didn't feel that about Vilash Boas at all. I didn't feel that about obviously Scalari got it completely wrong. But uh, I think that they had more the players. The dilemma with having the great spine and the great personalities was that could interfere with the manager's views. And I think uh, Village Boas was was intimidated. I think his his views were quite um, 
radical at the time of what he wanted to do with football. Mm. And it may be that uh, that Sarri is the man to make this work. Um, but, it, but as I keep saying, it may be that... You made a point earlier, Jonathan, that was really spot on. And I think this is another reason why Fierce Boas failed. I mean, apart from the fact that he was clearly out of his depth, he was also quite young and very inexperienced. So his way of trying to get his message across was to shout at people and be a bastard. And that's what he did. I mean, he used to impose all sorts of punishments on people and blank them yeah. and all sorts of stuff was going on. And, you know, if you've got, you know, very successful, high-quality football yeah. players, they're just going to say, well, fuck you. You know, and I think your point about Sarri is, is very apt. He may, be, may have been a bank manager and, you know, he wasn't a great footballer or all the rest of it, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. This man's got a ton of life experience and management experience and we all know, because we've been saying it for ages, that the current ilk of a modern, you know, the modern player won't have it if people shout at them. You know, they, 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 they are very well aware of their value and their status. And you need to be psychologically very different with the current crop of footballers than you would have done even were, 10, absolutely. 15 years ago, I think. So, you know, who's to say that Sarri hasn't got it right? And then suddenly, the, you know, the, the feelers are out there. And... and uh, it, yeah, it goes back absolutely. to this, seen off, they, this group of players have allegedly yeah, seen off two disciplinar, disciplinarians. Uh, now they've got a father figure in there, and that's what's going to be interesting to see uh, what what how they react to that kind of more fatherly figure, which is what how I they think he puts you. himself across. Um, you know, maybe maybe they are unmanageable. God Almighty, we're in trouble if they are, aren't we? Still, if Zidane comes next season, <laughs> they, 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 they won't want to be on the well, other Well, we'll soon find out. John... Well, the other thing I was going to say, actually, just to pick up another point that, that uh, you made, Jonathan, is that, you know, these are very, very good footballers and they have pride and they have belief in their own ability. And I'm telling you now, not one of them would have been happily, you know, happy and delighted about getting their asses kicked 4-0 by Bournemouth, who they will consider themselves to be much better than. They'll be embarrassed by that. So they won't be sitting there giggling and laughing about it. Right, next one. Jonathan, how's your voice, by the way? You all right? I might give up in a all right, shout if it gives way, and I'll uh, I'll I'll come in. Um, this is from uh, John Chips Chipperton. Hello, Chips. Um, good evening, boys. I'm writing this email behind a clouded veil of a victory against a team that is staring at relegation and also having supped a few beers. My wow. point is, looking forward, who the hell is showing passion for the club and showing leadership qualities? While I've utmost respect for Cesar Aspi, and this is not aimed at his abilities as a player. I think he lacks leadership qualities in any sort of vociferous way. I would like to see a change of captaincy and see David Luiz named team captain. Yes, he has a mistake in him, but never shies away from the challenge in front of him and probably exudes more passion than any other player on the pitch, yet maintains an air of superiority about him. Would be interested to hear your thoughts on this, particularly if a change of team captaincy would be unsettling in itself. All the best guys, chips up the chips. Um, we discussed it, didn't we? Really earlier, we did. I mean, I, I, I don't see anybody else other than David Luiz who's got that kind of fire in his belly. I suppose that's that's my point of view. Um, some of the other players have, have, have not been there longer. The only other one I thought of because he looks so permanently angry is Rudiger, um, um, because he seems he seems to have a face like a lot, like a well, like a lot of the fans <laughs> like do that. during the game. Chish, um, you know, he seems to get as annoyed with things going wrong as we do. Um, yeah, and I, I, I've always said that there's probably nothing wrong with having a German captain. Yeah, they tend to be fairly successful, don't they? And uh, and whatever. I, I, I do agree. I, I love Aspi as a as a player, but I just think it's 
it's it's like putting the quiet man. It's, it's, it's like Ian Duncan Smith and Charles of the Tory Party. He's too quiet. I don't think he's got that that bite. And I think your captain, your leader, going away from all that bollocks about having eleven leaders on the pitch, you have a central leader who's got some bite, some edge, something about them. And that's not in the reflection of their football uh, and, and being a negative footballer. It's about their attitude on the pitch. And, you know, let's face it, we used to be a nasty team surrounding refs, didn't we? We used to do that and we don't now. Uh, you know, we've got a fantastic disciplinary record as far as I can see because it, we just mm. seem to be missing that thing. We said it last time, a couple of weeks ago, Chidge, about an enforcer. And I don't mean it in a Tommy Smith way or a Ron Harris. I don't want to go back to them days. But I think you had a very good one in John Terry. Terry um, Herlock. Oh, for Christ's sake. Okay. <laughs> Do you go through a bloody encyclopedia? <laughs> but you get my drift. I, just, I, 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 I see that point. But that, you know, David Lewis, even then, I would only be saying interim until you, you know, until you, you know, I don't know. We're, we're, we see it through with Aspie, but I honestly don't think he's, he's the man to be the on-pitch captain and make any difference in that sense well i i i you know i was touting david louise as a captain yeah i think before he yeah. left the first yeah. time actually i thought he'd be a future captain and i think in in the, in the context of the current side he's i think he is a leader on and off the pitch he's the only one with with personality yes. really personality and I think he'd be a fantastic captain. Of course, the the only doubt on that is, you know, how long is he going to be here for? Number one, I mean, there's rumours that he he is going to sign, uh, that he'd be happy to sign a year's extension rather than moaning about it like a lot of the others. Um, but you know, he's not going to be the long term answer, is he? That's for sure. Um, the other issue, of course, is how much would it unsettle the dressing room? And I I think it probably would. So you know, on the basis that it would probably do more harm than good, you might as well stay as you are. But yeah, I'm with you though. I love Aspie, but I, I mean, look, the the reality is, Tony, we we only see it from the outside looking in. We we don't know what it's like to work with Cesar Aspilicueta and what he's like, you know, as a captain, you know, and and captains don't always have to be shouty and you know no, screaming and being are, angry, you know. So yeah. uh, who knows? We don't really know. Uh, well, I, 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 well no, yeah, but I not, I don't think that necessarily holds even true. Shouty, JT was shouty when he needed to be. You know, I'm not just looking at captains of, but look at Tony Adams. Look at some of those Terry Butcher. They were hard men. They were imposing without necessarily being shouting. Yeah, yeah but, but that I was four, thirty odd years stand. ago, they're mate. It's a different time now. Different time now. I don't agree. I think I, I don't agree. I, I, I think I think by the same token that with the current crop of players or modern footballers, you can't have managers shouting at them and throwing their teacups around all the time. I don't think you necessarily have to have scary, shouty captains as well. I think leadership is more oh, yeah, than just about I... shouting, and I think that, uh, as I said, I think you know, I think I think that Louise therefore has better leadership qualities than uh, than uh, Aspie. But you know, we don't really know how good Aspie is as a captain. Remember that they, all the all the team said that they were happy with either Aspie or Gary Cahill. So yeah. anyway, we don't know, do we? It's That's the story. reality. Oh, blimey, I'm going to kill him in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, Peter Marinello. He had a really sweet Bay City Rollers haircut. No, 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 no. I'm talking about half men. Which was the gooner that... Uh, Jonathan, Jonathan, which was the gooner that got done oh, for that selling was him, porn? Wasn't it Marinello? No, I think it was... No. 
Was it? I think it was. It was, yeah, it was yeah, Marinello, yeah, it was, yeah. wasn't it? He ran a pub, I know. He ran a pub in Glasgow. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I think, um, I think what's-his-face went into uh, Peter's story, ended up, um, allegedly, um, somewhere peculiar. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just uh, looking him up, actually, Peter Marinello. I remember all the, well, all, everybody I was, all the girls I was seeing at the time was, oh, Peter Marinello is gorgeous. You know, why can't you grow your hair like him? <laughs> think, well, I'm, I'm at school, and I think I'd be, yeah. Uh, Listen, you know, final final point on the on the captaincy actually, and I think the one the one person that we we haven't thought of, uh, providing he stays, of course, is Ampadu. Uh, you know, we're looking to the long term. I mean, you know, if he can if he can make a first team place his own in the next two yeah. or three years, yeah. I mean, that kid he's already pointing, you know, where everybody yeah. should be, and he's eighteen years old. I think he's a natural yeah. captain waiting waiting to be be, well, be like named that. captain basically. So. You know, watch this space. Anyway, let's let's try and crack through. Let's try and crack through these two quite quickly, J.K. Because we're, we're about running over time. I haven't any problem with uh, porn on his uh, Wikipedia. All right. Well, you 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 read the email. You read the email, and I'll do the research. Um, this is from Nicholas Barkley. Um, uh, no, hang on. Sorry. This is from Kenroy Justin. Sorry, Kenroy. What's up, Tony and the gang? Hey, this is for you, Tony. Hey, kid. <laughs> Hey, it's not for us. We're the gang. This is yours. Hey. <laughs> this week, though, whoopee doo, we can hammer a side that's basically relegation fodder. Hooray. But 4 0 to Bournemouth. Really? We usually talk about leadership, but one of the things oh. missing is the presence of Roman Abramovich, his thirst for success and his whip. How many times has he gone down to the dressing room or Cobham and taken a rap on the players' collective asses after a crappy performance? Headline number one, Roman Abramovich met Andre Villas-Boas and his players after the squad were hauled in on their day off following the 2-0 defeat at Everton on Saturday. The club have confirmed. Number two, Chelsea goes on to win the double after the Russian held a post-mortem into their Champions League defeat by Internazionale. It's one thing hearing it from the manager or captain, but it's another thing completely when the owner asks you directly. Am I wasting my money on you? Kenroy D. Justin. But the wow. problem is, Ken, Kenroy, wow. it's, it's a good meal. It's a good meal. It's great. But the problem is, is that he's not about. So he yeah. can't win, can he? Unless he yeah, does yeah, it on yeah. a conference call. It's not really we, the same, is it? Uh, yeah, we mentioned it earlier on, didn't we? He's yeah. been very, very absent this season. I, I, from a personal perspective, I don't blame him. I think he's been treated terribly by, by the government, etc. Um, you wonder but, whether he's just left it to the board to run it. You yeah, maybe. Maybe, but then... I, th- I do I do think that he's made a very good point there. It is one thing hearing it from a manager or captain, but if the very top boy or girl, the one who's chucked their money into it, the owner, you know, says to you, am I wasting my money on you? That's going to be quite something, to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, you're not going to go, no, well, you might do. Uh, or you might go, yes, you are, because I'm a complete waster. Or you might be thinking, shit. I need to up my game here a little bit. It's an interesting one. I've never really thought about that. I, I, I'm not, I, I don't know if I'm overly keen on, on owners interfering down at playing level. I think that's why you have uh, a, a director of football and a, and a proper footballing board infrastructure or whatever. Yeah, that, if you, you spent as much money, though, as he has. Mm. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean... He, he can sort of come down whenever yeah. he wants. The question of whether he's actually not in the country. He's not going to be bothered, is he? Really? No, no, I suppose not. 
then you wonder. I mean, we're, we're talking as if there's no, as if they're, they're communicating via pigeon. Um, of course, they're not. You can just ring up and have a conference call or do f- FaceTime and he can chat to them. So, <laughs> I think Bur- you know. Burgess Pitt said, can't he just Skype them? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> I just want to also just want to mention to Kenroy how lovely it is to hear from him. Of course, Kenroy is uh, is from St Lucia in the Caribbean. So I'm hoping that you'll be uh, oh. watching the test match on Saturday and uh, no doubt uh, cheering the West Indians on as they whip England again because they were awful last week. So well done you lot. And I have to say, Kenroy, I'm still looking forward to going over to St Lucia sometime in the future and, and having some rum with you, mate. That'd be great. Uh, now, listen, I've done my homework and I found out about Peter's story. It wasn't Peter Marinello. I got that wrong. Uh, this is what I found about Peter Story, who used to play for Arsenal, that classiest of classiest clubs. He turned to crime when helping local gangsters, the Barry brothers, to counterfeit money uh, by providing finance and storage of the cast die. He was arrested and, whilst on bail, set up a brothel called the Calypso Massage, Massage Parlour with three women to try and raise enough money to flee to Spain to avoid his trial for conspiracy to produce counterfeit money. He was arrested and pleaded guilty to keeping a brothel on, uh, in 1979 and was handed a £700 fine and a six-month suspended sentence. He was also briefly jailed for contempt of court after failing to turn up to his own bankruptcy hearings. In September 1980, the trial for conspiracy to produce counterfeit money came to a conclusion and Story was sentenced to three years' imprisonment. He served his time at Wandsworth and Spring Hill. He was handed a 12-month suspended sentence in '82 for stealing two cars he had on hire purchase whilst running his minicab firm. After a time on unemployment benefits, he worked on a market stall in Portobello Road. In 1990, he was jailed for 28 days for attempting to import 20 pornographic videos from Europe, which he had hidden in a spare tyre. And on it goes. And I'll finish it up. In 2004, he moved to a village. He moved to a village near Toulouse in southern France with Daniel. He sold much of his football memorabilia and medals for twenty thousand pounds. So there we go. Arsenal, the classiest oh, club of all. And he put there we go. I thought I'd leave lot. you with that when, one. When he played, there we he go. Wasn't a hard man. Oh. He, he was. was. Yeah, hatchet man. They called him. Yeah, brilliant. All right. Nicholas Last Clark, email, J.K. Pigeon the gang. Oh, I'm, I'm still the gang. Yeah. <laughs> it's only it's you and I as the gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're back in the Thanks gang. Thanks so much for the pod. Thanks reading out my emails in the past it's always such a nice treat i want to say something i haven't heard anyone mention about cho and youth integration in general i get the feeling that young players wouldn't be so impatient if this was the chelsea of 2004 to 13 the chelsea that consistently was relevant in the champions league and title winners or contenders every year we were the standard of european football however asking a young player to be patient on a team finishing fourth fifth or so and maybe nicking a cup is a different story that's been the level of i hate to say this out loud arsenal and tottenham it can't be tottenham they haven't won anything and has been why they have been successful integrating youth in the past i wouldn't include tottenham it comes down to expectations does an 18 year old expect to get 30 plus appearances on a champion league champions league finalist or a title winner probably not but for a club with more relaxed expectations of top four and maybe a cup making more appearances would be expected i think this is partly why adoy is interested in bayern even with the money being the same and possibly the playing time being similar as it stands they are still at that world-class club standard, whereas we are unfortunately not anymore. We'll be interested to see how this all plays out, especially with the transfer ban looming. But it feels like Chelsea has a bit of an identity crisis at the moment. Thanks again, Nick. Um, I'm sorry to be to, to counter this with Adoy, but I think Adoy, I'm afraid, has been interested in the 
two million signing on fee and the um, 85,000 a week uh, at Bayern. I think that's one of the things that's enticed him to Bayern. I'm not convinced that uh, he feels he should get in. I was speaking to John Hollins uh, at the weekend and I said to him, what would you do with the Adoy situation, John? And he said, I'd give him four games in a row. He said that would uh, prove whether he was good enough for the first team. He said, I don't think it's fair on him playing him as a substitute or uh, um, uh, sporadically. And I think that's a very good point. I think we would all find out whether he was good enough if he gave him the confidence to play from the beginning. But I'm, I'm wondering whether that's, um, that's likely to happen, only with injuries. I think if, because uh, for me, William and Pedro will get in ahead of him every time. Um, <coughs> but uh, I'm, I'm not convinced at the moment we are Arsenal are fied or, or Spurs are fied. I mean, you know, you can't mention Tottenham because they've not won anything. Um, they haven't nicked a cup um, at all. Um, Arsenal have occasionally, but I don't think this is a deliberate policy by Chelsea to become um, the Arsenalification of them. I don't think that's the case. I just think they're they're making wrong decisions, or they're making a really rather astute decision with Sarri, and it's just it might work in the moment. It's not working, but um, uh, I I think if the I keep on saying this, if the youth are good enough, they'll play in the first team. I don't think this is a um, this is people being. Uh, um, yeah, I don't think the youth deserve to get into the side because Chelsea aren't good enough at the moment. I think. Well, I think well, not really. I, yeah, I think. No, nor do I. Callum Hudson no, Odoi. Had a, a, a sort of tweet last week from from uh, Ollie Glanville, which was like, you know, I want Ruiz off his cheek, and I want um, Amadou, and I want Hudson Odoi in the cheek because you know they're going to be they want to play for the the badge in the club. And uh, Andy Saunders and myself both went back at him immediately with, did Adoy have his Chelsea shirt on when he handed his transfer request in? Then? Yeah, um, I, I don't buy that. Um, but what I do think is, is that a lot of English or young players come out through the academies are getting opportunities uh, to play abroad. And I think they're being encouraged to do so um, by agents. I think Gareth Southgate has played an enormous part in that because he knows that they will get a better rounded education football and probably culturally if they I want to see more English players going abroad we've, we've far too long been a, a kind of net importer of foreign players to the detriment I believe of in, young English players in this country I really do believe that um, and that's why I think Atoy if he gets offered that chance for Bayern I don't blame him for going I really don't blame him for going I mean, he, you know, if he's not being promised what he thinks he can get in this, you know, at, at Chelsea, then why wouldn't you go? You know, and, and no, no club, no, no, no club's going to make a promise of first team football. Um, we saw, you know, how Solanke kind of flopped at Liverpool, and now is it is he Bournemouth? I think he's gone to now. Um, is it Bournemouth? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just think in Adoy's case, I don't see, I don't have a problem with him leaving. I don't see it as disloyal. I don't see anything like that other than a young guy who's probably thinking, what an experience that would be to go and be part of Bayern Munich and try and prove myself and get in at that club. And I genuinely think from a footballing perspective and absolutely 100% from a cultural and worldview experience, it would be fabulous to see more of them doing it. And the money. Well, I think the other thing, Tony, is that the other thing, Tony, is that you know, irrespective of whether they're good enough or old enough yet or whatever, um, you know, they want to have, you know, they yes. need game time at that age to develop yeah, yeah. and become good or or great players, 
And the reality is, as I said, irrespective of whether they're good enough or not, they're not going to get that at Chelsea, and they're not going to get that at Chelsea because we have a managerial cycle that's just a too short, and because it's too short, managers aren't going to take a risk. They're going to, you know, they're going to put their faith in tried and trusted players. And like Jonathan said, you know, whatever you think of William and Pedro, you know, these are established international players who've been playing at the top of the game for a long time. And, uh, you know, a manager's going to put his faith in them, not a kid. Because we all know, no matter how good their kids are potentially, they are still learning. So they're going to make mistakes and they are going to be inconsistent. So I think on that basis, I would say to him, mate, you know, you do, you've got to do what you think is best for you. And if you think what's best for you is to go abroad to buy, and then so be it. And then I would stick a yeah. massive healthy buyback clause on him. Anyway, there endeth the lesson. Uh, well done, uh, well done, uh, Jonathan and JK. Fabulous emails from everybody this week. Uh, really like that. Anyway, okay, just a few shout-outs from me. Uh, Patreon, of course, if you... Uh, if you do like what we do, then you can become a Chelsea Fancast patron. And that means you can just donate a little bit of money every month, really. A bit like CFC UK, you pay only a pound for a fanzine. Then, you know, just a do- do- donate even a dollar because it's all in dollars. Dollar a program, five dollars a month. I don't really care. Whatever you want to do, as little as much as, or as much as you want. And you don't even have to do so at all. I will think no less of you if you do. Um, but if you want to do that and want to join in, then it's uh, www.patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Um, and of course, if you do join up, it's, there's another nice thing about it is it's an app, so you can get hold of me quite quickly. And uh, by the way, thank you, Russell Saunders, for your oh, message and your song. I, we ran out of time to do it this week, but it's uh, lovely to hear from you. See, you... I know where well, you can you can you can uh, you can get hold of me on there quickly have a bit of chat put forward emails that you want to have read out whatever you like and the other thing is you get to hear a stuff first because I will always try and let you know there first there's some very interesting news Ho- yeah and as actually as, Ch- as Chips Chiverton said and this is a perfect point he says I'd rather buy you all a pint and, and in a sense John so would I I would rather you all did that too and I hope next time you come to a game you better bloody remind me that you're turning up and I'll buy you one as well but I think the other thing is that a lot of people that listen to us from far far away and they don't get to games and it's their way of being able to buy us a pint, if you like. So there you go. Um, yeah, so I've got some great Patreon-related news coming out very soon with a nice uh, surprise for you. But I'm going to say nothing about it now because I'm going to let you all know on there. Right, Chelsea Sports Trust. Uh, join the trust and get your voice heard by the club. Free to join up to be a member. Uh, but if you do want a nice shiny badge and you want to be able to vote uh, for the, in the elections and attend the meetings, then it's five quid a year. And you can sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com so you can do just that. And uh, you can also follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. And I do believe in Mixler at the moment we've got the wonderful Stuart Kinner who does all of our our accounts and everything and the finances and uh, also hosts the, the server he's, he's been a stalwart of the trust since we started it so lovely to see Stuart in here say hello to him if you want to now uh, CPO another worthwhile organization if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club go and buy a share of the Chelsea pitch owners who own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim it is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing football at Stamford Bridge forever. Uh, and to find out how to buy a share, just email info at chelseapitchowners.com or uh, or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners and you can follow them on Twitter at pitch owners. Right, CFC UK, the legendary CFC UK, cracking one this month. I haven't actually managed to get it yet but I'll, uh, I'll catch up on it at some stage, no doubt. 
Uh, if you want to have a copy, you can get it on a match day at the stall, or from which is opposite Fulham Broadway, of course, or you can get it from any of the sellers on Fulham Road. Uh, and of course, they they they're always at the away matches too. So you'll hear the battle cry of "Hurry up! It's only a pound," and then you'll know where it is. Uh, if you if you don't go to the matches, don't worry. You can subscribe online at cfcuk.net, and if you're in the USA, follow at cfcukusa or at dlundberg underscore, and they will tell you how to get a hard copy over there. Right, people, that I'm afraid is all we've got time for tonight. We will be back uh, next week. Uh, we'll be back. In fact, on Monday, the 11th of February, to talk about the Man City versus Chelsea match in the Premier League, and we'll look forward to the Malmo match. Uh, and joining me will be Jonathan and, of course, Alex. Alex, the girl who likes Bulls Churchill, will be back. It'll be great to see her. Uh, don't forget to tune in to Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio between 7 and 9 this Friday with Jonathan and Clayton and not me. No, I've got the week off. For my usual, uh, once a month I have to go and do something in Southampton on a Saturday morning. So it'll be Jonathan and Clayton joining Aaron Paul. And they will, of course, be looking ahead to the Man City match too and uh, talking all things Chelsea. So phone in and join in the show and debate with them live. The number to call is 0208 70 20 558. And Love Sport, uh, you know, you can find it on AM 558 and uh, the digital channels, DAB. And, of course, you can just listen to it on Radio Player or tune in or lovesportradio.com. Now, that is uh, also available as a podcast shortly afterwards, as are all of our shows, uh, which are also available on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple uh, Podcasts, Spotify, all sorts of other podcast distributors. And I can tell you that um, I've sorted out the SoundCloud account, so I've just put up a pretty much the last two year worth of podcasts there so and I, I shall be doing it tonight to make sure the latest one goes up there too so uh and bonnie riggs uh, sorry paul burgess asked me about kerry yes i'm kerry wasn't well last week we were planning to do a show hopefully he'll be all right this week and uh, we will do a show so hopefully you'll get a kerry dixon show as well so there you go right you can follow us on uh, twitter at chelsea fancast me at stanford chid jonathan at jonathan kid and Tony at Grocer Jet UK, and of course check out the website ChelseaFanCast.com. Many thanks to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers for the content going up during the week. You're all legends. Um, brilliant to see so many people in Mixler staying <laughs> to the bitter end. Uh, lovely to see you all. Great emails from you, and uh, brilliant. Love you all in Mixler. Great to have you in there. Now you lot, uh, as in Jonathan and, uh, and Tony. Really Tony, great it, to have you really on the show it. as always. Brilliant way to spend a Monday night. But I'm so busy working at the weekends now. It's it's it, I mean, it's like the Spurs game. I, I literally turned up for kickoff mm. and left at the final whistle. So anyway, whatever. Uh, Jonathan, as always, you all reprobate. Fantastic sharing the airwaves with you. And I hope your cold you so uh, gets better Thank before you, uh, Friday. Thanks for having me on the show. Love to speak to you again, Tony. I'll try and... Uh, and, and you, JK. All right, good stuff. It'll be great all to best. see you, mate. Always a pleasure. All right, that's it. Enough, enough, enough. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue. Keep it careful. Keep it chills. Up the It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? 
At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. <laughs> 